Hallo und willkommen zu Folge 229 von This Nintendo Life. Mein Name ist NBZ und Bali gesellt sich zu mir. Wie geht es dir, Bali? Hallo, mein Name ist Bali und ich komme aus Schottland. Great, lovely, good stuff. Hello, uh, we're back. It's this Nintendo Life, uh, and we're German now. We've rebranded. Um, I don't know what what this Nintendo Life translates to in German because I put it in quotation marks into Google Translate. Um, <laughs> so, so I think what this form of German was from. Yeah, though. exactly. You know, well, you know what? It's it's funny because sometimes in other languages you do get those moments where they just like break into English. In Hindi, this happens a lot. Like you'll be watching a Bollywood film, or you'll be watching like what my grandma watches on TV, just like an indian drama and they just randomly insert english into their sentence constantly but uh. and it doesn't really i don't really understand why they do it but it, it does happen and it is consistent um so i don't know i thought you know it happens in french as well like the weekend yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's some there's some it's phrases, some words. words that um, yeah. just get translated. But um, yes, Bali, I I am uh, speaking in German, obviously, because of Gamescom, which I attended, um, which was uh, a good time and interesting. Great. And uh, in Cologne, Germany, which we've been to once before, using yes. press passes um, for this podcast, no less, which somehow we managed to finagle our way into. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, a long time ago. We're part uh, of the games industry. We're part of the media. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. We have an audience. But you didn't go as media this time you went as part of yeah on the inside yeah on the inside i went to the behind closed doors that we tried to get to for breath of the wild uh, when we were there but uh we're not allowed you to finally played breath of the wild yeah i did yeah i finally oh, went to the business it. area it was there all along uh finally <laughs> got to play it it was a good time um but yes uh it was it was cool it was fun i had a very brief trip out there uh, only like a day and a half or so but um uh, it's uh, it's the biggest convention in the world uh, for video games and there were i think this is the first one back in public since 2019 um so yes it was uh, we went in 2016 2016 yeah 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 right. um, long time ago yeah long time ago but um yeah we'll we'll maybe chat about that uh, in the future but uh, Bally, how have you been doing how's things been going yeah been been good you know Bally Jr. is just quite tiring. Uh-huh. He's just like my my back is very sore from carrying him because he just weighs a ton. And have you so have fun. you got like the carry thing that you put on the front of you where you like dump him into the front? Um, yes, that type of thing. Um, yeah, it it it, it helps to a degree, uh, but we I, we don't use it a ton. But like it also. It, it doesn't protect your back as much as you'd hope. Like if got you want you. the ones that really protect your back, you need like the it's almost like a thing you put on your back and then they're very they're higher they're higher or as high as your head like on right. the back if that makes okay. sense so it's like like you're carrying almost like a camping rucksack that's like that's the like healthiest place to put their weight for your back but nice we'll get yeah. there yeah for sure um so yeah i'm also back in scotland because after going to germany who thought it would be a good idea to have a like very quick uh turnaround to then get on a train eight thirty the next morning you're gonna come around and co-babysit with me a bit yeah exactly uh so that, that'll be fun but um yes uh so if you notice my audio sounding a little bit different that's because i'm on a laptop and i have a microphone stand with a with my microphone with a sock on top of it um so trying to get some of those plosives out the way but who knows if it'll work but anyway that's uh maybe why I sound slightly different, but it uh, should still be all good. Um, but yeah, we're here. We're ready. We're back. E- even though uh, we've been galvanizing and doing other stuff, we've still been playing video games and, and we've got stuff to talk about. So, Bally, do you want to let the fine folks at home know what today's show will involve? For the first segment, we're talk- going to talk about the games that we have been playing. The second segment, we've got your emails. And the third segment, we're going to talk about MBZ at Gamescom. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, lots of fun stuff to discuss, uh, and we'll get into all of it. Uh, but um, let's start, Mally, with the video games we have been playing recently, and you have done a final job beating an RPG, which is a rare occurrence. I did. I've beaten my JRPG of the year, and mm-hmm. this year it's Live Alive, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I've beaten the game. You're getting near the end. Yeah, I'm kind of like in the final section, essentially. I had yeah. a, the train back to Edinburgh, and it was about four or five hours long, and right. I did... All, the only thing I did was play Live Alive, basically. So I got through nice. the last of the kind of like starting chapters. Then there's like another right. chapter that I got yeah. through. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, you kind yeah. of get into the end part of the game. So um, yeah, shout out to uh, the the power socket on LNER train because <laughs> I was able to just plug that into my seat and then just keep playing the Switch the whole way through, which was great. Um, did you not bring so. your anchor? Uh, no, because my sister has taken that abroad uh, with her um, uh, because she's traveling the world in Mexico and Colombia and stuff. And she's like, well, I will need it more than you. <laughs> So she took it from me. So no. The one, and then know. the one time you travel. Yeah, yeah, the one time I travel, I don't have it. Um, but yeah, it didn't, didn't matter, good. which was good. So um, yeah, I, I I played through a good chunk of the that end of that game, kind of, um, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, and Bali, how, how did you uh, finally kind of come around on Live Alive? Because I know you were liking it quite a bit, but um, did it kind of stick the landing? Yeah, I'm... I'm really positive on it overall. Uh, like, there's some really cool spoilery stuff I want to talk about, but we're not going to do that this time. We can wait till you've beaten the game, MBZ. Yeah. Maybe we can spend 20 minutes next episode talking about those things. But mm-hmm. those spoilery things I want to talk about, for the most part, I thought they were really cool. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Like, I like what's happening here. And, you know, like, stuff happens. Like, there's a lot of game after that. those first initial seven chapters. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about this on WhatsApp, but... This game does a lot of the things that Octopath kind of drops the ball on a little bit. Like, I think this game, you know, I think narratively it's a bit more solid and coherent than Octopath is. It is as coherent for a seven-person story kind of thing is what I should right. say. Right, also where... a, a game that was written in, like, the mid-90s, right? Right. I also think that, and there are certainly some cool moves you unlock by the end of the game, and I think visually, like what they've learned to do with hd 2d just looks phenomenal even in comparison to octopath where that was kind of like a first a first stab at it this game like really nails some of the environments the bosses the attacks you're using combined with like a very impressive soundtrack i think it's all just very very high production and that's that's what that's kind of one of the things you want the most with a remake is like this really nice production and i think this game just really really nails that i think the latter half of the game is very strong in those things as much as the first seven chapters also are and i think that you know there's a lot of cool story moments that i I enjoyed where I think the game constantly changes pace and it doesn't feel like one type of thing. It's just constantly doing different things. Um, and, you know, I I just think it's it's hard to talk about without spoiling the, the later parts of the game. But just talking about the first seven chapters, I think it, to be able to play so many fresh, little, shorter JRPG-style stories, it's just so cool. I another way to juxtapose it with octopath is i think mechanically octopath is a stronger game like the battle system yeah totally the the level up the class system weapon usage items it's all just a bit more coherent for my personal tastes and what i like in jrpgs and this game you do kind of need to learn the mechanics a bit more to a degree by the end of the game but certainly the first half of the game you don't really need to think about it too much for the most part but then you do kind of need to know like 
right what weapon does what to a degree and kind of understand mm. some of the stats you kind of like of... have an almost overwhelming amount of choice with certain characters when it comes to the types of moves that you're able to use yeah. and it comes down often to like especially in so the near future chapter was the last one that i played um there are a lot of enemies you run into on the overworld which are they basically have this idea of a boss enemy and a bunch of like minion enemies and if you kill the boss enemy all the minion enemies disappear once that one is Mm. dead and they would often put you in a situation where like there's 12 robots and there's this weird skeleton guy and tactically it seems like they're trying to make it interesting but then your dude has a move that literally hits everybody on the screen no matter where you're standing and it one shots the skeleton so like it's it's like it's setting up this tactical situation but like you just use that move every time and you're never in danger um which i think happens quite often uh throughout like the initial stories is like you can kind of just very much cheese your way through uh because you almost there are certain moves to just feel overpowered compared to other moves right like certain moves like you need to be right up close to an enemy to use them other moves you can be standing on the opposite corner of the screen and still hit them and still do a ton of damage and um and i hope that that gets kind of like not ironed out but like made a little bit more interesting in the kind of latter part of the game because oh, like, yeah, yeah. i have it- found that it was um not a cakewalk but like it wasn't as interesting to engage with the combat system um in the earlier parts of the game basically yeah you you definitely need to engage in that system a lot more for kind of the final the final chapter Mm -hmm. um and i was definitely like right this is how my team is going to operate and this is how we're gonna take on you know some of the big bads and this kind of thing you really do have to think it through which does feel weird for the game because you're basically not doing that for the whole game and then at yeah. the end you're finally, suddenly doing it. Whereas again, like Octopath, you're, you're gradually doing it more and more throughout the game, like a more traditional JRPG, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I also think that the combat system itself is still... It's just still a little weird in the fact that you don't really weird. have... Res- like, traditionally in an RPG like this, a big blast super attack that hits everybody would take up a bunch of mana points, right? And you'd have to, like, use those as a resource. But you can just use that move again and again and again wherever, and it doesn't... There's no impact, right? So, um, I mean, the impact is it takes a lot longer to charge than some of the less powerful moves. Yeah, and I, so I, I guess... there's a balance of, like, how many... Do I want to use this middle power move consistently where I can get maybe three of it out now? Or do I want like the one giga move that will mm. take a while to charge perhaps? That's because true. your character yeah. can be interrupted and yes. that can prevent you from wanting to use the big giga moves, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, there, there are certain moves that don't have that charge up time, but I think, yeah, the super powerful ones always have a, a bit of like lag built into them essentially to, to make sure that you're kind of rooted to the spot, right? Because like turns proceed when you move on the screen and enemies uh, bars will proceed when you move um so if you're kind of locked in place for a while it kind of gives them a chance to reposition themselves and potentially like knock you out of that state um which yeah mm. that makes sense and i'm sure that comes a lot more into play in in the last part of yeah. the game as well um but you know, i didn't know anything about this game i'd never even heard of live live before it was shown in that trailer uh and now I'm like, that was a really, really cool JRPG. I'm so glad yeah. I played it. And I am very much on the HD 2D bandwagon. I need to get to Triangle Strategy. That's one I definitely yes. need to try out. And this is obviously an incredibly different game. It's like comparing Chrono Trigger to Fire Emblem. Right, but exactly. Obviously, with that visual style, I think it works so well for both tactics games and 
more traditional jrpgs as non-traditional i guess as live live is but yeah i mean when you look at what square enix is doing right now with its bigger games um you know new dragon quest new final fantasies there are i mean dragon quest is still turn-based but final fantasy is is very much a you know action series at this point you look at 16 and 16 they brought on the um combat designer from devil may cry 5 for that project like it's very purely action and they're leaning in that uh, position and even seven remake is very action focused and it has the pause stuff but m- most of the stuff you're doing is like running around dodging in real time hitting in real time and i think square enix were in this conundrum of like well how do we how do we still retain that sense of our classic roots with turn-based games and 2d hd feels like the way that they have decided they're going to go forward um with it from yeah. now on right um which is i think it's cool it- I think it's great because it works both mechanically where yes these are still very much turn-based but then like narratively it still has that kind of magic that those 90s JRPGs mm. have but just in a much more impressive animated lighting orchestrated music if you name it like it just it feels like a really polished version of that same style of game without turning it into final fantasy 7 remake which is great and great for all its own reasons you know so like i'm, I'm very much looking forward to trying triangle strategy I'm looking forward to dragon quest 3 remake mm, you know yes. i'm really looking forward to whether they do like a sequel to octopath traveler or they just try something like new that is a, a linear long traditional 90s style jrpg but potentially you know like with new characters and new story yeah, and yeah. to just as great as i think dq3 will be i'd love to do something that is properly new right um, because you can still feel the kind of the age of these remakes right like and i'm sure dragon quest will suffer from the same thing but live alive still has like i don't know the enemies feel unbalanced weirdly there's also i was talking to you about this some of the frustrations i had with a couple of the chapters actually at the end was like okay so they they implemented this thing which is the orange kind of arrow the flag on screen to tell you where to go next because often mm. in these older games you didn't know what to do and there are a couple of moments where they just take that away and it's just like really confusing about what you're supposed to do there's this one moment where you have to talk to this kid and he's like i'll be in the laundry room and i'll be like okay i go into the laundry room nothing happens i keep going around the whole house try to leave and the and the dialogue pops up of like you can't leave because of this reason and then i end up going to the toilet sitting on the toilet and that was the trigger and i'm like okay i guess so and then i have to do it like three more times like leave and then go back and sit on this toilet to trigger this thing um it's just a little cumbersome i think um and i don't know why if they went all the way with streamlining it with those parts otherwise because i did really like the orange marker like yeah it was really no, I, I i barely used a guide before the end game and mm-hmm. i'll admit i needed a guide a lot in that end game sure but, yeah um, and people who get to that point will understand why but um yeah i, I think i i really like the orange marker and i'd want i hope that maybe like dq3 will have something of an equivalent and yeah it's just, just that it, it was inconsistent and i don't know why that was like it feels yeah. um a little weird as to why they would make that decision um and yeah it happened you know a c- couple of other times in in the chapter after that but um yeah it, it it just was um something that threw me off a bit when it um when it came to the other kind of modernizations that they've made to like the combat system and like i think you were telling me you looked at what it, previously the older game looked like and it's a huge glow up right yeah. like they they did a number on it like it's still right. very much the same game but they they glue it up uh really big time because um, you think that with the diversity of worlds and characters that even the original version would be quite colorful and different and yeah. it's really not at all yeah. it's really great 
grey and brown and and the combat system when you look at the grid like seems so cluttered and like hard yeah. to pass um so they, i think they've really played nicely with like the angle of almost like the chessboard on this and then yes. they've got a ton of lighting and effects and you know like like the background is kind of mm. it's like a three-dimensional background and all these things and the, on top of that they've really gone for it with like the cutscenes in this game and the voice acting like it all just feels so much stronger because like i think the voice acting was pretty good in octopath traveler yeah but definitely it doesn't this has far more active cutscenes. i'm not saying octopath should have had active cutscenes, mm. but for what this game is trying to do it's one good example of a way in which they've really stepped up the production on like 2D HD and just tried to make it that that much more impressive kind of style of cutscene, which yeah. I'm all for. And there are certain scenarios like the far future where it is right. basically all story. And so they have to lean into it in, in a very big way. They have to make it hit. They have to make it land. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think they do that really, really effectively. But I definitely hear what you say about like, I think because they are not constrained but like because they're still bound by what the original games were for both this and dragon quest like i'm looking forward to dragon quest but i know they will be bound by the original design of that game in some way and so they can't yeah. make it as expansive as new as yeah. you know what they can do with triangle strategy right. or with octopath traveler because um, mechanically this game very much is the original game but sure they've added on the marker but then mm-hmm. it, as we've said like the, the changes are in the production value for the most part and that's what yeah. that's what kind of what you want with the remake to a degree anyway but um yeah it's like and, Link's awakening like you were saying right where yeah. like there's still a lot of game boy creakiness in that remake but they just glue it up totally it's much more like Link's awakening than say final fantasy 7 remake that of course, really yeah. fundamentally changes the mechanics but yeah, yeah it's yeah. I was I didn't know about this game before the year. I've now played it. I love it. I am so pleased with what like what Square are doing, especially in conjunction like on Switch and Nintendo. And mm-hmm. I I want more of these games. I I'm very impressed. And yeah, I would highly recommend Live Alive, especially to people who are like me, where I'm a bit finicky about my JRPGs. They have to be like a certain length and have to enjoy it this much. And like this game constantly feels fresh and the pacing keeps up for the most part. And it's it's a re- it's one I would really recommend if you're maybe shying away from the 150 hour Xenoblade Three, perhaps, mm-hmm. and you want something shorter. I think I I think I was between 20 and 25 hours, closer to 25. And for yeah. me, that's a good, really good length for JRPG. Yeah, totally, uh, and I'm enjoying it. I think it's, I think it's good, very solid. Um, again, it's hard. It's kind, of, it's kind of unfair for me coming straight off of Xenoblade Three into another uh, RPG, <laughs> and like you know, Xenoblade Three is one of the best games I've ever played. Like it's, it's astonishingly good. So it's, it's hard to um, kind of like do that uh, kind of follow up. But I still think it's doing something very different and very unique. And um, yeah, I, I, I still really like it. So hopefully, I will be able to finish it uh, and get through that last portion of the game for next time. But, um, but yeah. Uh, live alive very very worth checking out um bali you played another game that i had yes. played earlier this year and we actually played it together we did some yeah. online co-op um for teenage mutant ninja turtles shredders revenge um played it over a couple of nights uh and yeah yeah so you were on pc i was on series x mm-hmm. and you know we were moaning about like it's easy to criticize nintendo for their online but then yep. when you actually try the online services of all these other companies it's like yeah, it's not actually that much better, is, no, no. <laughs> is it? So, like, it dropped out a few times, but yeah. it was overall it, it worked well and was. I I think this game was really good, actually. Like, it's very much still just not my genre. Like, mm-hmm. I just because people say like this and say uh, Streets of Rage Four, like two of the yeah. best in genre of beat 'em ups, and 
I, I, I really like it, but I just, it's, it's never going to be like something I love and, yeah. and that's okay. But I still had an absolute blast with it. Yeah, totally. And, and I think that, um, playing it co-op certainly helped a lot, uh, cause I, so I originally played it through on easy on my own. Um, and I didn't have too much trouble with it. Like I generally, if I'm going to play through being, I'm, I'm up, it will be on easy. Um, just because there are elements of these games with like limited lives and like the frustrating kind of like, you can almost get knocked into a corner and be like infinitely hit and not be able to do anything about it right but i think there are a couple of core elements that make this game different and stand out i think majorly it's the mobility stuff like the ability to dodge roll out the way to dump jump and double jump um makes things so much easier in terms of avoiding enemy attacks and hits and those types of things um and they also have a upgrade system which i think is really cool where when you go through the game uh, every level you beat your character will gain experience and they will get something new so either a bit more health for their health bar or a new move a new special move they can use or an extra life that gets added to their total um, which means that you know even if you start on a harder difficulty the game will kind of almost balance itself out as it gets further along by giving you new lives and, and new stuff that you can use so that upgrading character stuff is really nice especially when you have a bunch of different characters and usually the only reason is like oh okay um i want to try them because they have different moves but this adds another meta layer of progression which i think is quite cool and especially for people who are going to come back to this game and play it multiple multiple times because i think that's uh you know people like guillaume rfn who's played 100 hours of, of um, streets of rage 4 <laughs> like these games are for people who like them meant to be replayed right um, yeah and that's not us but um i think it's no. cool that they've included stuff like that you know I, I thought this game was much easier to pick up and play compared to like streets of rage but i could mm. playing it for throughout the game in like a couple of evenings i could still see like the the skill ceiling and kind of it's easy to pick up but it's still kind of tricky to master the yeah. game and, and, I, and i think that's kind of what i personally look for with a beat-em-up where it needs to be accessible but still have that learning curve that makes you feel more because when i was actually successfully pulling off combos without getting hit because that's ultimately how you drive up your meter to use mm -hmm. your super move is to avoid getting hit yeah drive up your combo and like that felt really satisfying when you just re really nailed it and focused for a while on not getting hit on certain enemies and this kind of thing and yeah it, it was it was like a game within a game to a degree to kind of build up that meter and that felt really nice yeah, how do you feel about the your character choice? Because you went with uh, Donatello. Donatello. Yeah, with the yeah. Um, the long stick. Which the long is, stick. Uh... So I'm traditionally like a Keelik player in Soul Calibur 2 uh -huh. back in the day where I'd stand on one side of the screen and just poke MBZ with uh -huh. my long stick. From really the, fucking and annoying. Often to the point of like KO occasionally. And that was just like the most hilarious thing back then. Um, uh, you'll uh, you'll learn uh, i mean if you've listened for a while you'll know that bally in fighting games likes to choose the most fucking frustrating annoying character to drive me up the wall with whether it's uh, i just like my turtle strategies and obviously this is the perfect game oh, yeah, for turtle <laughs> strategies, yeah but, um, exactly yeah uh so yeah i don't tell like he's got really nice timing to like the use of his staff and that kind of thing and it felt he is a bit slower than the journalist lady you were playing as but uh, april yes april yeah. but um yeah, I, I thought it was really good. I, I did swap into Michelangelo Baxton at one point, and mm -hmm. yeah, he did not feel anything like as nice as Donatello. So yeah, I'd definitely stick with Donatello. Um, I also really wanted to shout out in this game, like the animations, mm -hmm. and I think that combined with the variety of level and just the colors used, like this game just really pops and yes. kind of... I was never really into the TMNT cartoons and stuff and barely no. know the characters. Uh, but wow, it really does justice to like what 
the, the kind of the style and what those cartoons evoked and i think for to, for a game to do that in 2022 successfully is incredibly impressive um mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a like, i prefer the style of this potentially versus say streets of rage 4 like that's just a real it really nails that that style well yeah and it's, it's full pixel art this time right because streets of rage is more of a hand-drawn aesthetic and this is absolute like detailed pixel art uh yeah sometimes hard to tell just because of um how good those animations are and how detailed all the, all the stuff is but um my favorite stuff is all the enemies like all the weird things that they do like they'll be standing there playing a game boy or like uh, yeah. eating a lolly or like just like hanging out on a park bench or serving up hot dogs or something like they're all doing some kind of unique fun animation um and lots of variety in terms of the types of enemies as well and the ones they throw at you which can get very tricky near the end um of just trying to avoid them and, and all that stuff um yeah it's 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 really really impressive and there's a nice variety in it as well of like you have the hoverboard levels where those are almost more on rails but you can still move your character around and, and hit stuff um aerial stuff i still think is a little awkward in these games it's, it's always been a perspective thing for me of like where mm. on the plane am i like can i if i jump into the air to hit this like flying robot <clears throat> probably like 50 percent of the time i'm gonna miss just because of the way the perspective works it's really hard to tell um but yeah i would say that's probably my only like major gripe with how the combat works yeah, some of the yeah. aerial stuff is a little awkward when you're getting like bunches of aerial enemies at one time and they're all on different planes and stuff trying yeah. to match them up and kind of take them out was pretty tough yeah um and you know i think with beat-em-ups for me i prefer a co-op game that requires a bit more communication which is why i think contra is so good because yeah the difficulty of contra and like the learning of the patterns and stuff is so hard that you have to kind of like come up with strategies and communicate over and it some of the boss fights evoked a bit of that and that a was maybe bit. the most fun i had was yeah. when we were like under pressure communicating trying to predict waves of what the boss was doing and that kind of thing yeah totally like that that stuff is the best when it comes to co-op but i think for the most part with games like this it's a lot of like well just kill the enemies on screen right and and there's not Mm. as much of that kind of back and forth and and figuring stuff out you might sometimes be focusing a bit too much on building up your own personal combo than you are on like actually playing cooperatively in a way yeah there's like micro decisions to make so like whoever has the least health can pick up the pizza to like heal themselves and then when you come across like the invincibility stuff it's like okay who wants to take it and then you know clear out the enemies and their strategy of like okay well let's leave the pizza until we've cleared out this area then we can you know if we take a hit then we can heal it all off with the pizza um yeah so that sort of stuff is cool um but uh but yeah i definitely like to get back to um some more contra stuff uh, for co-op because oh, sure. uh, that's, that's good fun uh, we need it well. we need more of a contra renaissance that's what we need we had absolutely um, um thing what was the game what's the game that was the contra like uh, oh blazing was, chrome blazing chrome yeah, i just yeah. can never remember the name blazing chrome <laughs> like, I, I, oh, it's, i'm really bad at remembering that one in particular but um yeah we need more like blazing chrome likes and that kind of thing yeah exactly and please give them online co-op because uh, oh, yeah uh, that's that's really 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 great that tmnt has online co-op um, yeah totally so. and it's cross-play as well so even if we were on other consoles we could still be able to that's do it really which nice. is awesome really nice yeah fantastic um so yeah great game definitely check it out you know if you uh, have switch or uh, game pass it's still on there i believe so um yeah people can go check that out it's uh, i think definitely one of the best of the year uh, in terms of quality even if it's not like our personal taste i still think it holds up yeah i can see why it got like the 86 on open critic and yes people went definitely. Wild. i can totally see it, if it even if it's not my personal cup of tea yeah for sure 
Um, so the only other thing that I want to check in with Bally is uh, now I'm back home. Um, I got out my old GameCube. Uh, there we go. Uh, you know, it's the the one thing that I can't really get that access to. That thing's twenty years old. 21 years old jesus christ don't tell yeah. me that um, i still remember <laughs> i still remember my birthday when i got it and I all know. you guys came around to my house you spoiled you... it <laughs> well no but the thing is Bally, here's the thing you brought all of your controllers and games and memory cards and <laughs> just, you and you I didn't just, look, bring... i just do what my mum tells me what do you expect okay look, i'm just okay i i'm a sleuth all right i you didn't bring a gamecube i was like why did you bring all of this shit and you didn't bring the actual gamecube what was the point in that uh and then i i was like well this something's up with this and so i went next door you really thought my mom could tell me like why don't you put it all in a bag and don't uh-huh. show it yeah. don't show it to Naman because yeah. he's gonna he'll re-. And i was like no nope, just bring it up out in the open <laughs> yeah. out in the open here all my game pads yeah exactly exactly so like I, I go next door into my parents room and there it is sitting on the bed not wrapped yet so I was like, all right, well, I've got a GameCube. So, uh, I mean, I could have predicted that, to be honest. You know, I'd been fucking going on about it. Nonstop. But anyway, <laughs> good old GameCube from then. Still here. Still still uh, in working condition. Great great hiding place by your parents as well, by the way. Great oh, yeah. hiding place. Yeah, no, good stuff. Um, I don't know. They were dealing with like seven screaming children. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Well, they still have worries. There's a GameCube on there. Bed, yeah exactly um so uh so yeah I, I booted it up and i was like let's play some stuff so what did i go to first Bally? i went to you know everyone's favorite mario kart double dash oh um, yes it is slippy as hell isn't it because i wanted to like you know you know how finicky i am about mario karts and like my control yeah, you know it's and not your stuff. mario kart I can it's tell. not my mario kart <laughs> no so i started playing it and i was like hmm this doesn't feel good and i'm not sure like is it the lag from the tv because obviously it's hooked up to an hd tv at the moment oh um, dang i, I don't, ask don't have a crt anymore we got rid of our crt oh, i've still got my crt if you ever want to plug it into that oh yeah that'd be great i mean i should probably just look into buying one at some point um later down the line but um the last game i played on the crt was prince of persia sands of time uh mm. back when we were doing the show in like i think 2014 i played it um which yeah. was great experience like it was great to play that on a, on a crt on gamecube um a good send-off for a crt absolutely really good send-off and um so so yeah I, I wonder if there's a little bit of lag there's a there's a game mode on this tv upstairs so i i turned it to that and that helped a little bit but um yeah something about like the analog stick and like the movement and the way that you corner the way that you drift is totally different here's another weird difference difference mm. when you first start the race uh, i was like i'm holding down the a button at the two and it didn't Hell work no no no, you, no 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 you had to and i was like how do i do this i was trying different things and i was like okay what if i just tap the a button so i was just tap 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 and that worked so like when i got off the starting line it was basically like your character's like building up like all this kind of speed and then they kind of burst off the racing line i was like is it because i'm tap tap tapping the whole no. time or do i need to tap at a right time and then i tried tapping at the right time like when you know you're about to boost off at the beginning and it didn't work so i don't know what i'm doing there or, or how it, it is after the one on it's after the dash. one it's like okay. three two one go and then if you right. tap it at the right time you'll get the boost and if you do it in co-op you get a double dash oh interesting well the thing is it it was working for me um by just mashing the a button the other, if it works it works do yeah. it works you yeah know? exactly so i i thought it was like i was just building up speed the whole time just by tapping it's also the tiniest boost <laughs> like compared it's not to that the other big games. yeah it's really not the back and same with the um the drifting drifting around corners with yeah. the flame you don't get the flame until you get the blue flame uh, sorry yeah. you don't get the boost until you get the blue flame yeah. so yeah. you build up like to the red one and yellow the, red blue and then yeah it's a tiny little boost and you gotta yeah. waggle to get 
get this is how i like wore out my first gamecube controller the yes. purple one was you gotta waggle that analog stick to mm-hmm. charge up the double the, not double dash the drift dash the and, drift yeah. yeah um and yeah i don't know i took again it would took me a little bit of time to like find a car combo that worked for me i started with wario and waluigi in this giant bowser car and that was a nightmare that was <laughs> horrible uh tried baby mario and baby luigi in like one of the trams or whatever prams and um I quite like the middleweight carts in that game actually like i like mario and luigi in the luigi cart that's exactly what i did i settled on mario and luigi and i went there for we the the yoshi car actually which was in terms of yoshi's got what i love about double dash is that there are like specific weapons for characters which they've yes. never done again since double no. dash and mario and luigi's fireballs aren't quite as good i'd argue as yoshi's and birdo's um egg item yes yeah totally um which i did play as yoshi and birdo as well and then i think i used the mario kart for them and i didn't like the the kind of base base one so yeah i think probably the the best combo would be yoshi and birdo in the yoshi kart because the yoshi kart felt really good that was the first one i was like oh okay this kind of feels almost like a modern mario kart like it um there's lots of are so nicely designed as well they've just got like a look to them and like a rubber and those tires like there's something about them Obviously, this game's not HD, but it was a very good-looking game when it came oh, yeah. out, and yeah. I think it holds up in terms of looks, at least. Yeah, frame rate's a weird one because obviously it's we're in the UK, and so you start it up, and it says fifty hertz or sixty hertz, and I was like, I I don't know. Like, I think that maybe this TV could do fifty hertz um, better than sixty hertz, just the way that things are set up. Um, so I I did sixty to start with. And it felt a bit jittery, so I, I switched it off and turned it back on and, and switched to 50, and it made it a little bit better. But there is something like playing games at 50 FPS just is a little weird. Like, it's, it, it, you just feel like something's off, like it's smooth, but not quite what you expect. And so it's this weird kind of in-between thing, which we I'm sure we didn't really notice when we were younger. But now with context and, and going back to it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is a little bit off, and, and it is strange in the UK and in PAL territories. 50 hertz was the standard um but um but yeah it's uh i still think it looks good uh even if it is like 480p i think one of the drawbacks of gamecube is it wasn't fully widescreen and so certain no. games have widescreen modes but playing on a widescreen hdtv it stretches out a little it bit stretch- in a weird way <laughs> yeah. um which makes it a little bit awkward yeah. to look at one um, more thing i want to say about double dash is it was the last mario kart that only had its original tracks without any retro tracks because exactly it was the last yes. one before ds when all that started which is what i was going to bring up is like we talk about how barren and like uh you know boring mario kart 8 is and like well look, this was <laughs> yeah. this was all mario karts before ds basically uh were didn't have that much interesting going on and even less to do and they also had to eat far fewer tracks <laughs> yeah totally yeah so i got that i was like oh yeah there's only this many and, and i'm like looking at that i'm like oh that's like one dlc for mario kart 8 basically yeah. <laughs> like almost like half of the game is it does um, have dk mountain though which is like maybe my favorite track yeah so i was going to talk about some of the tracks that i haven't like i didn't remember that well or like haven't popped up again uh, in a while some of them haven't popped up yeah you're right so i think i'm not sure if mushroom bridge has come back ever um it might have done in one of them it but um has on ds okay yeah see here's this is where i need you as the mario kart encyclopedia this is where my memory is good for stuff <laughs> So yeah, Mushroom Bridge, I remember very vividly being super bad at going over the... Because on the bridge itself, on the rails, there is the boost that you can take if you want to go over the top. They took that out of the DS version. Did they? Oh, that sucks. So here's the fun thing about that boost is it doesn't actually give you much of a boost because of the shape of the bridge. Right. You're going over such a large oval Mm -hmm. that by the time you get up there and down again, you might as well just go straight. (laughs) 
straight along the bottom yeah yeah no i did i did think that but then also like i did the same thing as i did as a kid which is i got up there and like i get halfway up but it's so fast and hard to control that i like veer off the side and fall off um (laughs) so yeah classic um wario coliseum i don't believe that's been brought back ever no Um, that's a very good one and is unique because it's only two laps yes i really i remembered as soon as i got there there's a corner in that track that is like a sharp left turn corner uh and it's right before you get back over the finish line um and i once again did the thing i did as a kid and just ram straight into the wall uh you know not being able to corner properly that's a tough track and like because it's what's cool about it is unlike all the other sort of stadium tracks that are like in these kind of dirt bowls that are designed for like motocross or whatever the mm-hmm. this stadium it's like a big chain link kind of almost roller coaster style thing that you're driving around and it's just got like this really slippy sound effect that goes on yeah. as you're like drifting through like this metallic structure like it's yeah it's pretty crazy i i'm a big fan of coliseum yeah um and um daisy cruiser which i think might have come back in another game but i can't fully remember yes i think that was on the 3ds back okay then. Yeah, so Daisy Cruiser is one that I like because it has that section where the tables, like, move with, like, the sea, you know, where, like, the (laughs) ship is drifting and the tables, like, move over. And then you can also, like, fall down the hole and go up the fan, or you can avoid that and go out the the regular way. Um, Yeah, I think that's um, a very cool track that is also hard to corner on because there's lots of kind of, like, straightaways there. And, like, it's hard to, like, you know, there's a corner that you go down the stairs and then you go round the pool into the kind of, like, dining area um, that was uh, a little tricky. I think my GameCube controller maybe falling apart a little bit in terms of like i was sometimes holding down the trigger to like drift and it wasn't fully activating and stuff like Mm. that and also i feel like maybe it's just because they're old but the the a button on a game controller feels far more depressed in terms of it's like how flush it is to the controller itself versus the y and x buttons like the y and x buttons are very protruded but the a button for whatever reason on both my yeah. wavebird and my regular feel a bit more depressed and i'm not sure if that's because of time and wear and usage or if yeah. that's how gamecube controllers were designed i think it might be both to be honest because yeah i felt that a lot it happened to my b button as well on one of my controllers but, yeah, yeah just all these things it does my head and like springs just wear out and then yeah just oh well the nice thing is is nintendo still sell brand new gamecube controllers because of smash <laughs> yeah. brothers so i might actually just buy one of those for you know for perpetuity right like yeah. having having yeah. one in the back pocket i think is a good idea so i might go after uh looking to see if i can pick one up I might even get gamecube games to switch online who knows yeah who knows? yeah magic could happen so yeah i uh, enjoyed playing double dash as bad as i was basically i couldn't get anywhere in 150 cc's um you know, I decided to do Special Cup, uh, which has the Bowser Castle and Rainbow Road, and I'm proud to say I came last in both on 150 cc. <laughs> Rainbow Road GameCube is fucking brutal. Holy shit! <laughs> that track. I remember now, like going back to it, I was like, oh, there's that one kind of like corner where it's at an angle, and there's a bunch of boost pads on it, and trying to drift yeah. around that oh, shit that is thing. really yeah. hard. And like, you t- take one hit, or you hit one item there, or you miss something, like you are flying off the side of that track. <laughs> it is like it is very much like a bowling lane without any rails like yeah there are a couple of sections where there's rails but like that track is just pure like you got to figure that shit out otherwise you're gonna die very easily also 
the speed that Lakitu will recover you to the track yes. on modern Mario Karts is a fraction of the pace that he goes at in Double yep. Dash. He will like he goes for lunch, he comes back, has a cup of tea, thinks, "All oh, right, there's a guy I need to pick up off the track." Okay, we'll pick them up. All right, now you're back on the track in last. It, which means, like, because it doesn't do the thing that Eight does, which so quickly like snaps you back onto the track, right. it means you lose position so quickly, and yes. you know, falling off once is almost a death. Like in 150ccs, if you fall off once you're basically guaranteed to not get in first because and there's only eight racers uh, i think so yes i believe yes. so um so and obviously 16 total characters because of the double mm-hmm. dash mechanic mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I didn't do too much switching between because i think what you the idea th- is usually to get two of the same special item then you get the mega special item right um and uh, i didn't manage to pull that off uh, too many times what do you but, mean um, like if you get an egg as yoshi and Berto also gets an egg you get like a special one that you use both of them at once is that not how it works because there's no, a giant not, there's the giant bowser the shell um yes. that happens do you get that even if you just have one character using it yep that's just bowser and bowser jr oh, special wow. okay you don't need to be both of them the same with dk and diddy kong um, you just get a giant banana you basically. just get a giant banana and the cool thing about i because i played a lot of dk and diddy kong just in their big log car uh high top speed nice to be in first place just gaining more ground in first place but the great thing about their banana is that you can still get it in first place because it's a big banana interesting yeah no that's that's very very cool um and also that banana when you hit it splits into three other bananas into three oh i love it this game just has so much character that mm-hmm. i feel like definitely was lost in the series after this game like it's just yeah there's something really unique about it between the double dash mechanic but also the tracks just have a certain style and it's 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 a really cool game yeah uh if it controlled better i think i would like it more i think that's the thing is like going back to it now you realize how far they've come in terms of the steps of like modernization when it comes to the feel of the carts and the way it moves and all that sort of stuff it's um, a you very uniquely handling yeah like the car when you look at the design of the carts i think the physics of those carts actually makes sense sure kind yeah. of these top heavy wild almost like wacky racer style cart where you've got right. two people hanging off it kind of thing like it kind of the the slippy nature of the controls kind of match that character i feel but Mm -hmm. yeah it's very different to kind of like the almost f-zero style handling cars in the modern mario cars yeah exactly um so it's it was nice to kind of like refresh myself on it to like you know put it in my head of like oh no maybe i wasn't bad as a kid at mario kart maybe mario kart double dash is just i'm I'm still bad at it now maybe it's just like the game's fault and not my fault um because i'm certainly much better at other mario cars um, you are I'll so give you that. so yeah sure. I, I do think it is it is somewhat the game to blame and uh you know i see why fran Mirabel gave it a 7.9 or whatever he gave it um, back in the day um but no I, I still think it's a really fun game like i have a lot of strong nostalgic memories tied to it um you know mainly you coming over to my house and being like like right okay we're gonna do mirror mode 32 tracks uh, i'm gonna do it for you and unlock all this shit and um so that's before there even was 200 cc yeah exactly you know, like, just... that was also like a fucking three hour thing or something it was ridiculous <laughs> um and you couldn't save in between and all that crazy it was shit. nowhere near three hours it was like look man it was a lot it was a long time um but um but yeah uh, i think i actually have lost that because of my memory card situation so my current memory card i don't think i have access to do mirror mode actually on it um so so yeah that's a shame but oh well what are you gonna do um it it also meant that i was able to kind of start again in uh on another game that i probably it's probably the game i have started the most times in my life is star fox adventures on gamecube um a game that is 
Very interesting, because it's not a Star Fox game at all, really. It's basically a Zelda game in disguise, uh, made by Rare. Um, you know, the last game that Rare made for Nintendo on GameCube. Um, it was the cover of the Nintendo magazine that I got for Christmas when I got my GameCube. So, And Star Fox Adventures was one of the first games I got for the system. I think I actually got it on the day of my birthday. Uh, maybe it was Christmas, actually. I can't remember. Because I'm pretty sure I got Jedi Knight and maybe it was Smash Brothers um, on my birthday. Um, yeah, there are a bunch of games I got around that end of that year anyway. And... Um, uh, yeah, this was one of them, Star Fox Adventures, which I remember very clearly playing the beginning uh, at my grandparents' house and just like, you know, the whole crystal in the rain and the d- dinosaur and shooting and all that sort of stuff. I actually had a save file where I didn't have to do that part anymore because I have done that fucking crystal, like going to the Krizoa pl- Palace, doing all those puzzles like so many fucking times. So I had a save file that was just Star Fox like at the beginning as he's just landed the R-Wing on the planet. I was like, all right, this is great. Now I can just get into the Zelda stuff and like get going. And, um, man that game runs really well it's a pure 60 fps like it is so so smooth i was stunned by how well it ran especially when you think about stuff like wind waker which ran at 30 um you know other games of that era action games ran at like lower frame rates but this one runs super smoothly and i was like holy shit this is crazy also the water still looks amazing like visually it's still very very impressive um and um and yeah it's pretty fun man like it's been i think about it like the last like new actual zelda that was traditional that i played was skyward sword i guess right like there's there's not a lot of games that that have this formula and it's even been remade since <laughs> and it has been remade and i'm still halfway through as we um so so yeah it's it's really nice to just get into a game where you're pushing boxes and you're, you're solving puzzles and you're going around and doing you know classic lock on to enemies it even does the zelda thing where you don't have a jump button you just run off an edge and you automatically jump like very much pulling from that playbook um and yeah i kind of went through the initial opening area and interestingly because i had played the the leaked dinosaur planet n64 thing that we talked about um last year i think when dan was on the show we talked about that and um having played through that i i have a better memory of the start of that game now because of that section that i played through and like seeing play through all of that game no, I didn't. I, I just okay. played, like, the beginning of it, basically. I don't know if you can play through all okay, of Dinosaur right. Planet because it's, like, a kind of, like, half-finished thing. But um, having played through that, uh, I now had context for, like, what that became on the GameCube. And so, like, this whole section with the mammoth and, like, getting tricky to dig things up and, like, you know, the mammoth creating the block and you use the block to get up to this area. Like, it's all almost exactly the same from a design perspective, which is really, really cool, but just, like, obviously glowed up for GameCube and, you know, made a bit more streamlined. And, um... And I, I don't remember how far I got originally because my memory cards kept corrupting and I, you know, always had to keep starting over again. Don't um, buy third-party memory cards. Yeah, well, the one that I have is third-party, but it's the one that you have. It's the big fluorescent oh, yeah, clear thing. one, which is actually very reliable. It does it's work. actually very good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, basically, I think this is probably the first I've gotten. I'm barely that far into the game, only like a couple of hours, I would say. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really enjoyable. Like, it's just been a while since I played one of these, and I think that... Part of it is very clunky, right? Like, so you have your staff, a staff ox, and you, like, use that as your main melee weapon. You have a dodge roll out of the way, and so fighting enemies is very much... You don't even have a lock-on button. Just when you enter combat with enemies, it auto-locks you onto enemies, which is a really cool change, um, and it works very well for the game and what it's going for. Um, and so it's very simple, just, like, hitting them a bunch of times, and they, you know, you see their heart meter and disappearing and all that stuff. And, um, 
the staff has different abilities to it so the c stick which you ordinarily would think is camera is actually used for like a sub menu on the side where you can use it to so you there's this character called tricky the dinosaur he's a little kind of like triceratops guy and he's the son of like the queen dinosaur and you know this whole planet is based on dinosaurs and all that sort of stuff and so you get a bunch of different ones you come across but he's like your companion character and he actually does a bunch of shit so like you can feed him mushrooms and then he will have the ability to go and like dig up areas like find hidden treasure and stuff like that and so you're giving him commands almost like a dog basically of like go dig this shit up tricky um and he'll do that for you but also in that menu you can change different functions of what the staff does so you can change it to like a a blaster uh, and you'll go into like a behind the back kind of third person shooting uh, mode where you have a reticle and you have to aim it and you use it to like shoot at uh, plants and bombs and stuff and at enemies that are flying. But also, of course, because this is GameCube and it's back then, um, the controls are inverted for aiming and so both mm. vertically and horizontally. So it's a fucking nightmare to Ooh. aim at anything. Um, and I looked in the menu to see if there was a way to change it. I don't think there is. Um, so just have to grin and bear it for that, I guess. But, um, you know, aside from like getting used to that there's also a um one that i got recently which is a rocket thing where you basically stick your staff into the ground at certain points and it will like rocket you up to a ledge so it's basically like you know zelda or metroid style abilities that you're getting to do with the staff and you also find like hidden areas underground where you increase like the magic meter of your staff that type of thing um yeah obviously like there are certain parts that i needed a guide for where they're just like a character like the big warp giant at the start there's a big stone giant you get to him and he's like nobody brings me gifts anymore and that's the whole line he says and he says nothing else and you're like well what the what what do you want what what do you want what the fuck do i do where do i go and obviously it's a very small starting area so there's a limited amount of stuff you can go to but there's a whole shop area and you go into the shop with the weird dinosaur guy who has like a very strange voice um and uh and you go down there and there's like millions of items to buy like the whole shop has like 40 items or something there's a bunch of maps and a bunch of shit i'm like what the fuck do i buy uh and so i looked it up and you apparently have to buy rock candy um which is this one item because he's a giant he's a rock come on you buy the rock the rock candy how how hard is that i mean come on you know so obvious uh, everyone um but yeah that's that's what i had to do so you go and you go and find some scarabs scarabs are like the currency and you basically lift up rocks with your staff and little scarab bugs will like sc- scatter out from underneath them and you just go and pick them up like currency um so I went and did a bunch of that and then got the rock candy, gave it to him. And then he like teleports you away to the next area to like the ice area where you go to and you do the, the motorbike race down the mountain, which I lost first time and had to redo because you have to win it in order to get there. Love I think that, that might, that might have been the section that I couldn't get past as a kid because I was shit uh, driving. So I probably wouldn't be able to beat them. You only um, went till Bally's round. That's exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. Thing. I probably got you to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't remember how far I got. Um, so I think I am further than I was because I don't remember getting this rocket staff ability or anything like that. So, um yeah i i i'm really enjoying it and kind of want to play through the whole thing i don't think i'll be able to in this week that i'm home um don't know if i'll have uh time to do it but um i definitely want to play more like i was really enjoying myself i was like man i actually i've been sitting here for a couple of hours and like haven't thought about putting this down or just like you know um just checking it out for the sake of curiosity i was really really enraptured i was like man it's it's really nice to go back to uh, a game that you know almost uh one that is still undiscovered for me despite having owned it for two decades right like it's been sitting there and you know i just wasn't very good at those types of games as a kid and i wasn't very interested in playing them also like it was a bit scary for me because it was an action game there was these big dinosaurs and i didn't want to die you know like it was one of those games and um and now i i'm very you know very much uh enjoying it and i think it's um it's really cool so i'm sure i'll you know 
get worse later on because I, I I don't mm. think the game has like There's an amazing few, reputation. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be some awkward mechanical stuff. But so far, I think it's really solid, uh, and I'm enjoying it a great deal. I, so. I think um, Microsoft and then Nintendo's relationship might be strong enough where this could come to Nintendo Switch online. In the future. That would be awesome. Yeah, either that or a remake of some kind. Like I, yeah, because this game obviously isn't on Rare Replay for the reason that it has yes. Nintendo characters in it. But I'm sure if you know, Nintendo wanted it. Microsoft mm-hmm. might be up for it on Switch. I mean, online. there's there's discussions about that GoldenEye remake. You know, supposed to be announced at some point. And yeah, and, and Banjo's on Switch online. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so Banjo managed to make it. So this is, this is just another form of Banjo. Kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's very very cool, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how far I get. I looked up on how long to be. It says thirteen and a half hours. Um, and I looked on YouTube some long plays, and some people are beating it in like ten hours or so. So I think it's feasible. Like I think it's viable. I could. Okay. Um, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If not, then it's a nice thing for whenever I come back to Edinburgh. Is like just continue my Star Fox adventure save, you know, and keep getting a little bit further in it. So um, nice little thing to eat at nice. and, and get through. So. Um, yeah the only other thing is i popped in smash melee for a bit um it doesn't feel as responsive i wonder if that's my controllers or the tv or something yeah, but, CRT. Um, yeah i think it just wasn't it wasn't working that well um i did beat a bunch of level nine cpu still but it just didn't feel as snappy god did the music just hit you like a wave when you booted it up? Uh, always does always oh. does always also like i go to the trophy section and i'm like ah, i yes. can i can put in well you I can have I, as much lag as you want on that section exactly exactly i think i have 247 and there are 250 in the game so i'm still missing three trophies um and i can't remember what ones they are or how to to get them but i remember back when you know back before smash 4 came out and we were just like jonesing for smash both of us got deep back into melee and we mm-hmm. both we both finished all 50 challenges uh in the challenge section of that game um which i still have done nice. and unlocked and all that stuff so um but yeah i don't know it felt a little bit off i was playing math and it didn't feel as kind of snappy as you expect it to i was trying to like dash back and forth and like it wasn't res- being as responsive so yeah i think probably need to have a crt in order to, to get the most out of smash melee but you know, it's still, still a very, very good game. Um, and yes, I, I like it a lot. So yeah, that's my little GameCube uh, rabbit hole I've been going down. And uh, hopefully the rest of this week, I'll do a little bit more of that and play some more Star Fox. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think that is going to close us out for this section. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back after the break with some of your emails. See you in a bit. Welcome back to the second part of today's show. It is time for your emails. The well is 
you know, the weather's been hot right now in BZ, and our yes. well of emails is is diminishing. Um, mm. It's a bit of a drought, you always, might say. always. So, yeah, you know, it's hot in the UK. I did, oh, forgot to mention. Oh, maybe I'll mention it in the next segment. But Cologne, Germany, like a fucking oven. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Holy shit! Like no water to be seen. Like, uh, yeah, it was <sighs> death there. God. So, um, yeah. And lots anyway, of sweaty people to help out. Lo- lots of sweaty people. Oh, okay. like me being one of them. Uh, so, you know, like... Uh, I'm glad uh, this is... Uh, we're, we're recording this remotely. Not uh-huh. Anyway, but. you know, if you want to not make me sweaty, then get some fucking emails in the inbox. That's what I was saying. Get some emails. We need the well to jump in and cool down. That's exactly, what we need. Exactly, it needs to be full. Yes, full. Yes. So, if you would like to send an email into the show, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com we also have a channel on our discord server called emails you can post a comment a question a thought over there and we can also pick those up mm-hmm. so our first email is from noah from halifax nova scotia which is in canada it says hey mbz and bally i'm a member of the discord server however i liked the prospect of sending in an email instead i began listening to your podcast in february and since then i've been working my way backwards through the episode backlog while also keeping up with new episodes I'm currently on episode 95, which is dated June 25th, 2017, nearly Mm. five years ago. While the world has changed dramatically throughout that time, the TNL podcast has remained consistent in terms of quality and format, which is not only impressive, but also very comforting. Thank Thank you you. for your dedication to the show. Your spotlights on video game music are something that the show uh, that I've really something about the show that I've really enjoyed. Prior to listening to your show, it was rare for me to consciously listen to video game soundtracks, but now I regularly listen to video game soundtracks while I'm driving, working at my computer, or cooking. Thank you for exposing me to some great video game music that I would have otherwise completely passed over. While I always enjoy the music played during the break between segments, I particularly enjoy the TNL jukebox. Let's get some more of that, please. I believe the last jukebox segment was in episode 192, though I've been in the backlog for so long that I may be wrong about that. Yeah, we've, we've done that. We've done yeah, some we, more. We, yeah, recently we've done a couple, which yeah. is good. So, yeah. With that said, I'd like to hear what some of your favorite video game soundtracks are. Mm. Uh, you've previously mentioned games like Octopath Traveler and Undertale as having some of your favorite soundtracks, but what are some others that you've enjoyed? Some of my favorite soundtracks are tainted by nostalgia, including games such as Animal Crossing on GameCube and Pokemon Ruby Sapphire. To that end, I will fight anyone who says that Animal Crossing on the GameCube does not have the best hourly music of any Animal Crossing game. That shit seriously slaps. <laughs> I've also really enjoyed more recent soundtracks from games such as Steins Gate, Visual Novels, and Undertale. Perhaps that's a strange assortment of games, but it is what it is. Thanks again, and I look forward to hearing your responses. Best wishes, Noah. Awesome. Thanks, Noah. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, video game music for me is very important to my overall experience with a game Um, in terms of like, I would say my favorite games all have soundtracks that are like all time favorites for me, Um, which I think says a lot, right? Like when you look at my favorite games of all time, I don't think there are many on there where I don't connect with the soundtrack. The soundtrack is almost this thing that for me elevates it beyond great to like a masterclass right like it's that is that extra source on top that turns 
Xenoblade from an all-time RPG into like the greatest RPG, right? Um, so it's uh, it's definitely for me a very very important aspect of games, and I think has got I think more important as the years have gone on, and like the types of games that I know that I like, and, and the the ones that I fall into, but also like doing the podcast. Like every week, we're choosing music um, to go in the breaks, and you know when we do the jukebox section, it's always a fun time to go go through and find mm. different different music um, and. I, I've done, I think in the past, I did a video on like my favorite uh, songs of the year, my favorite tracks of the year. Um, and it's, I think we also did a podcast on like our yeah. favorite music of the year as well, which I'd like to do again because I really like just kind for of like sure. highlighting that stuff. Um, so, so yeah, always been a really important part for me. And um, I don't know, I would say that nostalgia doesn't play a huge factor in my appreciation for music these days like certainly when i booted up mario kart double dash as we just chatted in the last segment that menu music starts you're like oh man i am hit with a wave of like remembrance for all that stuff but um but then you listen to it on a loop and you're like it's a decent song but it's not like it's not it works for mario kart it works for that but it's not like this something that elevates the game beyond what it already is perhaps sure totally yeah and I, f- I find that like more modern games that i've played with soundtracks that have really stuck with me like i think that's the thing that in the future will make me nostalgic for stuff like xenoblade i tweeted the other day uh yesterday I- i'm already nostalgic for xenoblade 3 <laughs> and like 90 percent of the reason for that is the soundtrack and the the emotional beats of the soundtrack and how it mirrors moments in the game is so sublime that it like i i'm like the last couple of days on the toilet as i take half an hour on the toilet every morning i I've just been listening to Xenoblade 3 um, tracks, right? And, and like, I don't do that with most games. There are very few series where I will go and just listen to the music outside of the game. Um, and, and that is a signal, always a signal to me that the music has made an impact. Because um, I definitely think that there's great soundtracks out there that work excellently in the game, but don't necessarily work that well outside of it for me personally. I'd say um, Spiritfarer is a great example of a soundtrack that I thought was excellent when I was playing the game, but I don't think I would ever listen to it outside of the game. It like, oh, fit really? the tone of the game so well um but yeah i don't think i would listen to it outside of the game itself uh basically so um yeah are there any that kind of like come to mind to you bally yeah i've got i've got plenty i was gonna say the two aspects of a video game soundtrack that make it important to me or like something that elevates it is one that has to elevate the game in some way like you were saying about mario kart double dash like it works it bops but it doesn't elevate that game like all of my favorite video game soundtracks they elevate the game in ways that there's, there's games on my list that I I really liked but didn't even make my top 10, but then I still think the soundtrack is like, just elevates it way beyond that. I think that's yes. an important aspect. And then likewise, I think it needs to have some ability to stand on its own two feet and be able to, you should be able to listen to it outside of the game and still feel the emotional impact of it, I find. Like, if, if, it, if it doesn't work at all outside of the game, I think obviously context is king and to a certain extent but i feel like my favorites all can stand on their own two feet away from the game so listening to on mm. youtube or something so yeah some for me the classic is like tropical freeze like that game Ooh, doesn't okay, deserve yeah. to have such an incredible soundtrack and you know that game doesn't really have emotional story beats or anything no. but it if you just want bopping music that is so damn well done like it's amazing um a, a game that I, as as mentioned, like that elevates the soundtrack, elevates the game above my feelings for the game, is definitely Chicory. Like that, that game again, like is subtly a much more emotional game than it necessarily should be for like a 
pretty chill top-down Zelda-like. It goes mm-hmm. to places that are a lot more emotionally impactful. And that's right. obviously by Lana Rain, who just does incredible soundtracks. So I've got to have Celeste on this list, which yeah in terms of like emotional impact like really elevates that game and then mm-hmm. i realized a lot of the games on my list are like modern indie games where i think yes yeah. the uh the the importance of using soundtracks to elevate your game above the rest because i think there's a lot of mechanically very strong games out there especially modern indies like i think the industry is getting i think we're getting more and more strong games every year and i think indie games have to do more and more between art styles story narratives and soundtracks to elevate themselves above the rest and that's where i think games like celeste do that well the ori games are just oh, the ori again, music in ori both games is absolutely phenomenal oh it's and, and again it ties to the story where it's an incredibly strong metroidvania that you know that game would be really good if it had little to no story but you know, that's not what uh moon glow moon glow thinking moon? No, uh, moon just moon studio i'm thinking yeah. moon glow b but um moon studio is like that's not their vision for the game their vision is that mm. it has to have these emotional beats and how do they how do they convey those emotional beats like through the art and importantly through the soundtrack and i think that's where ori is like wow just the majesty of this game and just beautiful game beautiful game um yeah Hollow Knight, again, is another, does, like, it uses music in really interesting ways for intense boss fights and the eeriness of that world. And in many ways, similar to Ori, although I think Ori is a lot more emotional than Hollow Knight. It's just, again, it's using it a ton. Spirit Fair for me, yeah, I personally think that soundtrack does work well outside the game, but um, I do think again massively going for the emotional beats like i think indies are onto something here like they're really going and playing at people's emotions yeah totally um and then the soundtrack i know didn't do much for you but really hit me and i think elevates that game and it's polish is a game like death's door from last year right yes um, yeah and then a game on my list that so everyone talks about like oh gta 4 or 3 or whatever had the best soundtrack ever because i had like all this licensed music and mm-hmm. I believe the game, I don't know if the music in this game was already written or whether it was written for the game, but it's conveyed in a similar way to GTA, and that's a game like Lake, where mm. they are using music on the radio, and you can control when you have that music on and off, and I think the music stands alone outside the game, like it's some really nice, just chill country tunes, but then when you're in the game delivering that mail, and you can turn on the radio station every morning, and like I said when I talked about this game earlier this year, I think there's only about five or six songs maybe total on the radio station, but because the days are so short, and you kind of enjoy, like I think the repetition is the point, where it, it, they want you to have a small enough selection of songs to the point where you are listening to the same song every morning and it feels nice in your beat because you know that right when i'm drive past this part of the lake i'll always be at this song and that's a nice repetition to to work in the loop of what that game's trying to convey which is basically a very chill mail delivery game which i think is just a really unique game on my list personally um eastward i think again oh yeah really great music we talked about that so last good year. and then a game where the music is great but then goes to like these ridiculous levels of metal hard rock and boss fights and we've talked about it before is hades like that hades is outstanding soundtrack oh it's unbelievably good and th- again there are some more melancholic slower 
um, emotional beats to that game that also have matching incredible songs um, that we've talked about before. Yeah, the thing that gets me often in games is like when they have great soundtracks, but then they have that one track that's like a vocal track, and Hades oh, has a couple God, of those. Yes, and yes. Um, when you get to uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Orpheus, and what's her? I can't remember. Eurydice, Eurydice's mm. song. When you get to her room, every single time I got to that room, <laughs> I put the switch down or I put the controller down and just let her sing through that that song um good riddance is so it's like one of my favorite songs in the game it's absolutely phenomenal but also the um the credit song that plays when you're um ending the game is also absolutely fantastic both vocal songs and um yeah super giant have done that in i think all their games they have a few vocal songs in there and mm. those always really, really cool. work for me um you know, whenever that happens in, in a game, it's it's always um, really impressive. And uh, Xenoblade does that as well. Like, Xenoblade has a couple of songs, like, it clear, like, key moments uh, of the narrative um, at the end. And, like, there's one section, like, end of chapter five, where there is a, like, clear vocal song that is, like, speaking to the emotional beats of what's happening, but really, like, thematic and melodic that works really, really well. Um, and those always are going to be kind of big ones for me mm. that, that stand out and kind of leave a mark, you know, like, alongside the great orchestral and, like, other elements of the music. Um, yeah, those those always hit, hit me big. But, um, yeah, Hades is also really special because of how dynamic it is, like, how it changes based on, like the you know when you're leaving a room it goes down to like the slow like kind of yeah beat, just that baseline bass playing yeah. but it's still yeah there's still an intensity to the baseline but it's less intense because all the other instruments aren't there and then it can just escalate again when enemies or bosses come into the room and you're like, boom here we go yeah, and it just exactly and like it matches the intensity because you know you are fighting for your life in that moment and right. this is a roguelike and you will die and go back to this mm-hmm. 40 minutes ago if you fail and you are feeling the pressure and the music is just adding to that pressure in the, yes. the most amazing way yeah, uh, Eastwood is also one I want to give a bit more uh, of a shout out to because I think that the vibes of that game are impeccable and like the soundtrack, it has a big reason to do with why, you know, like the different areas you go to mm-hmm. and the kind of the feel of those towns and the spaces you're in and like certain themes when certain things are happening, like Sam's theme is so good in like those yes. moments where she's like, like bopping around and doing weird stuff, like running around the house and getting the crabs and like all those like fun, like very characterful moments eastwood soundtrack really underscores but then also has very dark like Mm. deep like very sad moments where the soundtrack also kind of mirrors it super well so i I think that's a a a big one for me that i i love and and often go back to listening to to those those songs as well um yeah for me jrpgs if they have good soundtracks are always going to hit so like chrono trigger and final fantasy 6 i think final fantasy 6 still has the best final fantasy soundtrack for me probably the best soundtrack on the super nintendo i would say like terror's theme alone is like just top 10 like uh, tracks uh, of all time it's so so good like has that sad kind of melancholic feel to it like you always hear it in the overworld it's like really 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 good um uh so those ones are always going to stick with me um i think that uh the persona series is just a masterclass in music from top to bottom again another game where you have a bunch of vocal tracks alongside some really like vibesy um chill kind of like jazzy like every persona soundtrack has its own feel to it like there's almost this kind of pop punky like poppy vibe um to persona 4 like persona 4 has this kind of like bright colorfulness to the music persona 5 is a lot jazzier like bluesier persona 3 has a bit more synth kind of like aesthetic to it but all of them have that kind of cohesion in the music that really works um and 
every single one of those soundtracks is amazing like i think when you finally play a persona game Bally, you'll really i think you'll connect with the music quite strongly because yeah. i think it's really melodic like really 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 good so um persona is one of those series that stands out to me obviously i mentioned xenoblade but xenoblade as a series has my favorite songs in all the video games like the soundtracks as a whole like each game has its own identity in terms of its soundtrack they're all like similar but different enough to stand alone and like the flutes and the way they they build those into xenoblade 3 is just astonishing it's so so good um and like so many of the themes and like the motifs that come back are built around those flute melodies that they play um astonishing stuff really really fantastic so like jrpgs are always big uh the yakuza series you could say is like adjacent to jrpgs especially now that they're turning it into a turn-based jrpg series but um for me the music that always sticks with me from yakuza is not like the big bombastic moments it's always the dumb side story music so when you go into a sub story and you know something stupid's gonna happen it has this like very cheesy like really funny boppy music but then like you get to emotional moments in side stories and it goes to this like very over-the-top melancholic music it's really really funny um and like that is the type of music that has been used across the series which is nice so you see it return from game to game and it gives you that nice warm sense of familiarity of like oh i know i'm in a side story now because this music's kicking in and i know this music uh and it's really really funny and good uh so so that's kind of like a different approach i guess to, to the music that i like um but like one of the big ones that doesn't quite fit into this category but like kind of adjacent with visual novels is ace attorney the great ace attorney has an amazing soundtrack like that that series is known for really good themes like the objection theme like all those things like all those moments in the courtroom that build up to um you know big big reveals and everything but some of these uh songs like from the overworld areas and from exploration but also like character themes like i think the great great ace attorney does an incredible job with character themes in particular and the way that they twist them based on the narrative and what has happened there is that one theme that i always talk about and i i I still don't want to talk about it fully because it's spoilers but there's one theme in the second game where it is a character theme but is twisted because of something that has happened and like you see the narrative arc of that character in this song and like for me that is like the highest compliment you can give a game soundtrack is when they tie it in in a way that is so effective to what they have already kind of built up so um yeah ace attorney is is very very high up on the list for me um there are a bunch of games where the soundtrack is amazing and better than maybe the game itself uh the messenger is probably the best example of this for me where i really like the messenger i think it's a solid game i think it's much better in its first half when it's a kind of traditional platformer than its second half where it tries to be a metroidvania and kind of fails at it but the messenger soundtrack is awesome like really good and i remember i think playing that the year when we were kind of going back through soundtracks um that that we really enjoyed um that was that was a really good one Mm, um yeah and some classic ones as well like Mega Man 2 is always going to be embedded in my brain like the Wily theme from Mega Man 2 is is amazing um very classic kind of a bit style but I think that one is awesome uh and there are certain games where there's just like there's that one song that stands out that will kind of define the game for you so I think God of War 2018 has like that main theme that like really hits and I think that main theme is so strong that like it almost carries the rest of the game for me it's a pattern we noticed that year that we could tie to those kind of triple a blockbuster games is yes they seem to have like one big main theme that they really invest in and i guess like they do a lot of promotional stuff with it and then right when you try and look for songs beyond that just none of them hit in the same way we, it's we, very we, movie score-esque isn't it because that's kind of what they're going for yeah it's the same with uncharted and spider-man like they've got yeah. that big theme that is awesome and then 
Yeah, it's just like a movie, really. You're right. It's right. Just, yeah. Whereas so many of these other games we've talked about, that there are so many different songs within the game mm. that that hit in the way that those AAA blockbusters are just a bit different. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and on the opposite side of that, there's uh, Sonic Adventure 2 where Escape from the City oh. uh, plays and that's like the greatest song of all time. So do you ever need to go better than that? No, it's Escape from the City. Come on, guys. Like, it's amazing. Um, yeah, um, I would I would have put a Zelda game in here, but it's, I'm trying to think of like what, what Zelda game really hits for me. Like Caden- Cadence of Hyrule is actually is a really good example because it kind of takes songs from throughout the series and remixes them. Um, so it's almost a cheat answer, but that's also a game where I preferred the soundtrack to the game itself. Um, but yeah. Which game was that, sorry? Cadence of Hyrule. Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you said remixed songs from previous Zeldas. I was going to suggest like Breath of the Wild, but it's so it's such limited parts of that game and so much yeah. of that game is silence and sounds and wind. <laughs> uh-huh. Or like just plinking piano pieces, which I think works amazingly for the game. It works um, amazingly, but it's very hard. There's no kind of big bopping soundtrack in the same way that you'd associate with yeah. previous Zelda. There are and... a couple of tracks, and like uh, both of them, I I think uh, lean on nostalgia and other games. Like when you get to the Rito Village, right, like exactly. that song plays. But then also when you get into Hyrule Castle, that that theme is incredible, mm. like very strong and very melodic. Um, but you're right, yeah, it doesn't quite have that same. Would you Would you say Wind Waker for you in terms of like Zelda soundtrack? Yeah, Wind Waker. I was just going to suggest uh, Dragon Roost as your because it's the first sort of new island you get to after like your home island windfall and um forsaken fortress it's like the first new quote-unquote adventure island and it's dragon roost it's got its own unique theme its own race of people like as you're sailing towards dragon roost and you see the volcano and the swirling clouds at the top and then Mm. the theme music changes as you sail closer like that's something that just sticks with me in like Zelda yeah, moments. And then I played the remake way back when, and I can't wait to play it again on Switch eventually. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's a moment in that game that I absolutely love because it's your first use of like, you're, you're sailing from Windfall to Dragon Roost and it's your first use yeah. of the King of Red Lions and it's it really hits you. I, I love it. Lots of Zelda games are also just about music, right? With Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker, like you, you play music often in Zelda games, which is again something that was missing from Breath of the Wild in a way. Like they yeah, really moved yeah. away from that, and that's except for Cass. Shout out to Cass with his yes. accordion, um, yes. which was uh, amazing. Another really good, a great like use of music in a game. Like when you crest a hill and you hit, start hearing oh, that melody. Yes. Oh, it's so cool, so so cool. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess like a couple more to close this out. Rhythm Heaven, um, just because mm. of like the way those things get stuck in my head like i suppose you know like yeah. stuff like that is just uh what did, what's so the, good. What did the frogs sing again uh spin it boys spin it boys spin it boys spin it boys uh i need to make an emote of that frog saying spin it boys for the discord that must happen um yeah absolutely spin the uh, boys frog for smash yeah absolutely yeah where is the spin it boys frog for smash come on guys let's sort it out this is the important questions um and um yeah to the moon is also uh that series like really like hits me emotionally in a strong strong way um that's uh that's a soundtrack that is emotionally manipulative i'm gonna say like absolutely like crushes me i was literally just about to say that game really clobbers you with its piano track to like it does now you're gonna feel emotion boom and it just kind of turns it to 11 and you're like oh god okay right again my heart is like melting yeah basically uh but you know, I'm here for it. I will. I will happily take it. A bit of nothing like a bit of piano to do that to you. Honestly, they, yeah. know, they know exactly what they're doing. 
man, yeah, Xenoblade uses a bunch of piano as well. Uh, Breath of the Wild, yeah. like you were saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Piano is um, it's a good emotionally manipulative instrument. <laughs> yes. If you want to get to someone's heart, use a piano. It's it's very very good uh, for that stuff. So yeah, I think I think that kind of like gives a good uh, overview of lots of different soundtracks. The live live boss theme, you got to shout that out. It's fantastic. I turn oh, it up yes. loud every time oh, I get my to a God. boss in that game. Oh. Obviously, the Undertale connection there with Toby Fox and yeah. Megalovania, but Megalomania. Oh, it's such a good uh, boss soundtrack. Absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, the Nif Future section had some really good battle theme as well. Like the mm. battle theme there was really good. Um, yeah, Live Alive has some great music. And obviously Octopath Traveler, we talked about before, yeah. is one of, one of the best soundtracks out there um, for certain. So um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, good question, Noah. Until until we Absolutely. check in with music again, which I feel yeah. happens a lot, but we love to talk about music on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely, yeah. Our next email is from Ryan, who says, Hey, Amazon Valley, Nintendo's most recent free trial was Stardew Valley. For years, I told myself I never cared to try this game because farming sims usually aren't for me. With the free Nintendo Switch Online trial of the game, I figured now was the best time to try it out and not feel like I wasted money on something I might not like. How Holy cow, am I glad I tried it out. Apparently, I'm the type of person they're targeting with these trials because I ended up buying the game. I'm not too far yet, did uh, one did one or two early restarts after learning some basic tips and mechanics and just did the egg festival but i see myself continuing to to pluck away at it are there any games you now enjoy that you might never have tried without a free trial or demo if i remember correctly mz uh, ended up playing bayonetta 2 because of the demo and ended up Mm -hmm. loving it alternatively are there any games you would love nintendo to do a free free trial on uh games you have curiosity about but don't necessarily uh want to buy up front without trying yourself cheers ryan awesome yeah um i have a very clear memory of when i first got my playstation 3 uh i didn't have many games i had like portal 2 and i had final fantasy 13 and i was just going on the store because back then you know they actually had demos on the playstation store and nintendo didn't have any and before this i had only had nintendo consoles mainly except for my my ps1 and um and i went on the store and downloaded a bunch of stuff and was like okay what's this what's this and one of the first games i downloaded first games i played was infamous 2 and um and I started playing and I was like, holy shit, is this what video games are? Like, I was I was blown away by, like, the fidelity of it. Like, the whole superhero powers thing. Like, all that sort of shit. I was like, this is amazing. And I was instantly, like, fell in love with Infamous then and there. And I was like, I need to look up everything about this game, what it, what it is, and, um, you know, the series and everything. And, um, yeah, I found a bunch of reviews for the first game. I was like, well, I need to go and buy this and get into this series. And, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite Sony series is Infamous. The, um, the movement in that game, like, the powers, all that sort of stuff is absolutely fantastic and that all started because i was just like looking for demos for interesting things i think another one was like red faction gorilla i downloaded like a bunch of weird demos that i downloaded when i first got my ps3 because i just wanted to try stuff on the store um and like when i first played infamous i was like is this what all ps3 games are like turns out no not all ps3 games are as good as that but um but it was like one of those like almost random happenstances that i i came across it and i was like oh wow this game is really cool uh and yeah i got very very into it after that so um yeah that's probably the one that stands out the most to me and i don't i don't think this happens super often um like there are certainly demos for games that come out that i know i'm gonna get anyway right so like triangle strategy the demo came out and i was like well i know i'm gonna buy this regardless i think maybe the first demo for triangle strategy actually was a good example because that came out a year before the game Mm. and it was more of a like oh well let's see if this final fantasy tactics thing works out and after 
after I played that, I was like, oh, I'm 100% playing this day one. But, you know, the second Triangle Strategy demo came like a few weeks before the game came out. So like, I already made my decision by that point, so I didn't really have to make a decision. Um, so yeah, I guess Octopath Traveler uh, is, is another yeah. one. Like, Square Enix do this a lot. Um, but I think for you especially, Octopath Traveler, right? Yeah, two Square Enix demos completely juxtaposed where Octopath really sold me on that game. And I, like I said on the show before, I'm very finicky about what I want in my um jrpgs and octopath that demo really struck well with me and wanted it day one loved that game obviously then one that was completely opposite where square enix gave me a demo was bravely second where bravely default 2 i'll have bravely default 2 my apologies (laughs) yes yeah not like square enix makes that confusing at all what a mistake um thanks square (laughs) enix uh but yeah bravely default 2 was just the most awful demo it was, it was brutally so hard and repetitive and yeah. the art style didn't do it for me the music didn't do it for me the world yeah. building was dry and flat and characters were bad oh, ca- oh really bad. god that game yeah <laughs> it just felt like in comparison to like octopath traveler was just like no 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 no, no not 100 percent unsold yeah, yeah that's, that, that's um, the risk of a demo right is like sometimes you could get completely unsold on a thing um because it just isn't for you but definitely some form of bali earlier on the show just as i was getting into jrpgs might have been dangerously close to buying a game like bravely default 2 day one without a demo and to mm. have played a demo um that was so weak and know that was um good because i didn't want i didn't want to yeah. buy that game as interested as i was in it yeah exactly um yeah i would say another one where i probably was going to buy the game anyway but just like convinced me whole hog was final fantasy 7 remake had a demo and oh, i started playing God. that that's another good example yes and i was like holy shit yes. this game is going to be fucking incredible <laughs> um yeah i was on the fence about that game because i was like i'm like i said i'm not a massively jrpg guy the more i keep t- telling myself this i think i'm just a i am a jrpg guy yes. i think mbz is just a level of jrpg guy like beyond your average yeah exactly JRPG person. sure because i yeah. think i probably like jrpgs far more than your average um, right. video game fan uh, sure, yeah. but yeah i was very skeptical of final fantasy 7 remake i was like everyone seems to like final fantasy 7 i've never played it i'll try this demo and i yeah that made me a day one purchaser of that game and i think it was my fourth third favorite game of that favorite game of that year or something like mm-hmm. that is a yeah. fantastic fantastic game so yeah that was a very good example yeah um yeah bayonetta 2 is is the one that i always go to for like a demo that convinced me that i played and i was like oh i actually really vibe with this but uh, an example of one where i didn't play it neither of us played it we watched it the demo that convinced us to buy it was uh, was mario maker that was oh, yes. like just watching that game be played was the most convincing thing uh, i've ever mm. seen in terms of like being kind of very lukewarm slash uninterested in a game to being a hundred percent sold on it for day one mario maker is like the absolute quickest turnaround i've ever seen um it was amazing i'd say we also played like the free trial day for arms way back yeah in and around the switch launch and we were both like eh, i don't know don't don't really want to yeah play this. I, pl- I played a lot of arms for free uh you know i think there was like multiple trial days that you could do for arms but then also uh, our friend ali t for some reason bought arms when he got his switch so i played a bunch at his house as well and um that game's cool like i think it could be so much more i think they could do so much more with the world and the characters but I, I don't know nintendo just don't seem to want to lean into that stuff and uh yeah arms just kind of 
it still exists. It's, it's the one game trial that they like bring back randomly every so often. They're like, oh, by the way, guys, arms is here. If you want to play it, somebody please play arms. Um, yeah, and and it doesn't really work in that sense. Um, that, if we're thinking about like demos uh, that we've played outside of um, you know ones that you download, we've been to a couple of shows where we've played demos, and I think mm. when we went to what was the event uh, japan the japan one in london um japan anime con or just some J- some kind of japan thing that was in the uh the o2 either way nintendo had a booth they had a booth yes and they had triforce heroes and they also had Star Fox zero um which i think you played Star Fox zero yeah there, didn't you? played both um yeah. i was very um, sold on both games that is a good yes. example i was day one for both games actually yeah, exactly. And Triforce Heroes was fun because we got to play it with a rep and like the three of us playing through and like getting the experience that, was, that you want yeah. with that game. I, I honestly, I know I'm hotter on that game than you, but I look back mm-hmm. so fondly on Triforce Heroes. I think it's it's a fun game, really you know? cool. Uh, just like applying that kind of uh, Zelda puzzle design, dungeon design to like a three player co op thing is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's 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 still a great game. My, I think my biggest problem with that game was just its online functionality and the way it was implemented, which is very frustrating. Um, yeah, but uh, but actual playing the game was good fun, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of those bosses very tricky as well, especially to coordinate between us and a person who we couldn't really talk to uh, was always. <laughs> we, had uh, a, we had a handful of different partners or yes. third, third wheels, and mm-hmm. um, some of them were better than others for sure yeah totally so it's it's kind of like a crapshoot you just kind of like ideally just like with federation force you kind of want to have like a full crew of people yeah, uh, i think like um, federation force. Oh boy. yeah no i don't know the time's probably ticking on like the oh. online service for that so i don't know we're gonna have to figure that out at some point but um yeah i would say like another game from that event that unsold me was the chibi robo oh, 2d God. platformer um ziplash i believe uh was JRPG. not very good at all do you, no do you call it an rpg yeah Ziplash, yeah. So the the, the rep speaking oh. to us called it an RPG, and you right, were like, yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is a 2D platformer, my dude. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I think some of these people who they get as Nintendo reps don't actually know what video games are. Um, that was an incredibly underwhelming game. Like, yeah. yeah, a bit like the way Pikmin went all 2D on 3DS. It kind of just lost the magic of what the original Chibi Robo was all about. Like, yes, it didn't convert well at all exactly like i man i want them to re-release chibi robo it's like my most wanted to play gamecube like if i'd somehow had chibi robo i'd be playing that on my gamecube right now right mm. but um it's very very expensive like everywhere i've seen it it's like over 100 150 pounds it's so so stupid so uh yeah that game is and, um, uh, ridiculous of course gamescom 2016 we played games like cuphead day one yes day totally one, but like we played it before it the was demo out, yeah the demo and that was awesome um mm-hmm. we played games like recore which i actually enjoyed the demo and then that came out and flopped quite it's funny because like playing recall i was very unsold on recall i did oh, not really? like that demo at gamescom i thought it was quite bad actually and, and kind of like gave me skepticism for when it eventually mm. came out and then it did turn out to not be that great we had a good time playing sea of thieves Yes. Um, you managed yeah. to stay upright and and feeling okay. Oh, you know, so. it was only like I think fifteen minutes, which was my threshold. Probably, okay, right. for like uh, being able to play. But it. All like um, the the Xbox reps for Sea of Thieves were really good at like yes. playing along, keeping the chat going as awkward as mm-hmm. it was, and kind of making you just selling the game really, and and understanding why Sea of Thieves was unique and fun, and like yeah, I think that that really helped sell me on it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, then there are a bunch of like 
I think Monster Hunter is a great offender of I've played like 12 Monster Hunter demos and never converted to the full game ever. I think there's something about Monster Hunter demos where they just don't, they can't convey what is good about that game within that kind of slice. And yet they still do it. Capcom continues to put out Monster Hunter demos and I continue to ignore buying the actual game, um, which will have to happen one day. But it's, uh, yeah, it's probably the hardest game to demo, I would say. Like, it's just really hard to get across what makes that thing special um, within a short period of time because it's a a big long term commitment and a lot of learning and all that sort of stuff so yeah yeah, that's never really quite worked for me um oh the the most obvious one is overwatch like i played that Mm. free weekend um and that free weekend uh converted me to a lifelong fan of of that you got me on the switch free weekend or i did yes this is my plan for a long time was like trying to find a way to get (laughs) because i i knew that you would like this game like i knew in my heart that you would like this game um so so both both of us got onto overwatch as a result of that um nice combo as well because when it was free it was also on sale on switch so you get it for a cheaper price also so they know how to get you uh and uh, yeah that was that was a really big one that was good i'm looking forward to overwatch too yeah um and yeah i don't know in terms of like game trials that we'd want nintendo to do i think we've talked about this before but um I feel like we generally have a good sense of like what games we like and what ones we're going to get into. Like it, it might have been nice to have a game trial for like Mario Strikers, but even then, I didn't even participate in the demo, the kind of free demo that they did for that, the um, almost yeah. network test thing. Um, I mean, I think Nintendo are far too protective of their IP. We've said this a million times before, but like Breath of the Wild Two is coming out next year. Why don't you just roll in? a breath of the wild demo into nintendo Mm. switch online and give people full access to the plateau just go for it you know like i don't see nintendo potentially losing much by doing that 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 game has already sold a bajillion copies like there's probably a handful of people who haven't tried or know much about breath of the wild that you give them access to that game and you might get them involved in it and then they might end up buying breath of the wild too i think there's there's Mm -hmm. simple things like that that even releasing demos after the fact just to juice sales later down the game's life cycle that might be worth doing yeah i think some good ones for them to do would be like their third party partnerships so like before bayonetta 3 comes out do a bayonetta 2 uh free trial for people you know like i think that's a good idea or um you know no more heroes like have no more heroes 3 have a game trial because that game seems to have done okay but like not amazing and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there who would enjoy it but just haven't jumped on board because of you know whatever reason but um you know astral chain another good example like a bunch of those kind of partnerships that they have with uh third parties that have switch exclusives that they can definitely sell a lot more copies of mm. because most people don't pay as much attention to those games they're much there for the nintendo games but so um that would be good i think also if you have faith that your game is good and you put out a demo like there's not really anything to lose because you're just putting yes. more of a good thing out there it's uh, like the yeah. example i gave a bravely default two like sure i did i bounced off it and they probably thought it was a good game and i think it is a good game but like mm-hmm. generally speaking developers putting out games know and think that their game is good and they especially nintendo first party stuff come on like but yeah. like so i don't see the downside of putting out a demo that is 
good and then people play it and say oh, i don't want to buy it or i appreciate maybe that itch can be scratched that's the danger but yeah just, totally just it depends on the length of the game it's but. also like that only really happens if you're a kid and you don't have any money and you're just like only going to keep playing the demo again and again which is why on 3ds nintendo decided to put a fucking time bomb on it it's like you can only play this 30 times this smash brothers 3ds demo is like fucking great well i'm not going to turn this well, off you create a new you might create a new wave of zelda fans and all they enjoy is the the plateau when uh-huh. the, the rest yeah. <laughs> the rest of the game yeah, i just know, replay but... that over and over yeah. Uh, yeah i mean that's certainly what i did as a kid but also like access to games was so much harder when we were younger it's, it's exactly. a totally different world now it's it's, it's um yeah so many free-to-play things like when uh, we're having like this debate about what should they expose on nintendo switch online what should they do a demo and meanwhile game pass just exists for nine yeah. quid a month where there's right. full access to full games and it's like why are we even having this debate about giving access to some portions of games like mm-hmm. i think sony are arguably just as guilty but like i think if game if, if you're over the opinion games are good the more access you can give people for cheap for free for online subscription prices i think the better honestly yeah totally um so yeah i think there's there's uh some good examples there of, of ones that have convinced us um and yeah i think nintendo can can do a better job uh you know that kirby game that just came out dream buffet i'm not gonna spend 15 quid on that game like just make make that a nintendo switch online yeah. thing right it's just you then you take a step back and realize just how out of tune with their market nintendo are for most of the time and occasionally yeah. they'll do something that obviously does well and sells well but i think we're just because breath of the wild or mario odyssey sells well or pokemon sells well i think we can sometimes falsely think that nintendo are aware of their market when not sure they're completely in the dark yeah, um, yeah and they show plenty of decisions to suggest they're completely in the dark but and this is yeah. kind of an area i think they are a little bit in the dark but mm-hmm. yeah good cool. good question ryan i think it's important to check in on these sorts of things and work out what on earth is nintendo going to do about <laughs> demos mm-hmm. because it's been a mixed history for yes, to say the least yes um as i said at the top of the segment that we are having a little bit of an email drought so if you would like to email the show please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com as i also said we have a channel on our discord server it is called emails you can post a comment a question a thought over there and grow the community we, we love our discord mm-hmm. community it's awesome so link to that in the show notes and you can hop on in uh mm-hmm. but that's what we've got time for in the second segment join us in the third segment where we're gonna talk a little bit about mbz going to germany so yes. we'll hear about that be right back
Alright everybody, welcome back to the third and final part of today's show. Uh, we're going to talk about sausages. Uh, that's the main topic of discussion here. It's very important. You know, what is a Cumberland sausage? What is a bratwurst? These are the uh, points of debate uh, that we must have. Um, no, I, I went to Germany. I went to Gamescom uh, in Cologne, Germany, uh, which they spell it with a K uh, in Cologne mm. um, and with an E and some umlauts or whatever the two dots are over the o um mm-hmm. accents all those sort of things uh, which was interesting when i got to the airport because here's what happened Mally. i got in very late i got on at like 10 30 11 p.m to uh, clone airport clone bon airport uh, as they call it and i'm like okay i need to get on it the sucks train flying west to east because you're like mm-hmm. jumping forward in time and all of a yes. sudden it's half mid half 11 exactly like, oh, where yeah. that happened exactly and how do i navigate this foreign city at night without any kind of like help or anything i mean you're so good at navigation normally uh-huh. that mm-hmm. you know, now yep. you're just dumped there by yourself yep. like yep. what we're we gonna do oh, look it's a fun adventure <laughs> uh, i made it back alive so it's all good i, but... I am impressed i am impressed you made yeah. it yeah yeah uh, my sister i basically had a whole conversation with my, with my sister because she's like a veteran traveler so all she does <laughs> there is travel. so uh, she fun. um she gave me some she told me some apps to download of like download this thing and download the clone app so that if you don't have wi-fi or internet you can actually find your way somewhere so i had backups basically um did you have uh, data while you were there i did yeah i did thankfully um but yeah i was trying to find the train station i just kept walking through the airport and the clone airport is weird it's like almost a circle like a ring almost and um i just kept walking there's literally no one here it's like dead of night there's literally nobody around i just keep walking and keep walking i'm like is this the right place am i going to the right place (laughs) and i eventually get to the train station and um it's like barren there's empty there's no one there there's no trains i'm like is this a ghost town what the fuck has gone on um and so i'm like looking at the trains i'm like okay i don't speak german i need to look up on my phone what which day it's like you know on london underground you want to get to a station but it only tells you the destination point right it's like oxbridge or aldgate it doesn't tell you like what's on the way uh so i'm just like looking up how do i get there and i'm like oh my god the one to where i need to go is like an hour away do i have to sit here for an hour you just gotta follow Um, the trail of sweaty gamers exactly and then finally the sweaty gamers arrived i was in (laughs) the fastest sweaty gamer uh and the the sweaty gamers did arrive and everyone suddenly was on the platform bearing in mind it's really hot so (laughs) exactly literally literally true um but yeah finally there was some more people on the platform and i think i figured it out myself but i was like okay this train to duran stops at cologne central so i can get on this and i just have to get off at cologne uh central station basically in order to get to my place the the convention center is pretty near the center of cologne which is quite cool it's just a little walk it is yeah the the convention center is one stop away from the central station right so um i passed by the clone messer uh on the way back that night basically to the station um and then it was like a three minute walk to um to the hotel i was staying at so i got in about midnight and it wasn't too bad i was able to get like some sleep but not that much because i had to wake up the next morning early to get into the actual convention center but um yeah i did before i got on the train i was able to like these these guys who are clearly going to gamescom as well i was like um yeah you guys going to the cologne central station this is the right train right and they're like yeah 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 this is the one so i was like okay this everyone's getting right on this year in a row so yeah, we, we, yeah. we know how to do exactly this. yeah they're probably uh <laughs> veterans of it, where were they but, from um, um, I didn't uh, ask specifically. No, I, I, I didn't uh, get any details. Did you get a from feel them. for it. No, but I saw them the next day at the Yuki booth, oh. so they were definitely uh, part of uh, games industry people. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah. Um, so yeah, Bali. Do you have any questions about Cologne and Germany and doing what I did basically? Yeah. Uh, so in, in the convention how center? was it? Obviously, so when we went, we were official games press. This time you're <laughs> yes, on quote, the unquote. inside, right? Uh, how is it different going as games press versus going as a publisher? 
Yeah. Uh, so there are. Okay. So when you go into one of these uh, halls, they're massive, right? These giant halls just filled with booths and all that. I stuff. think I've ever been in a bigger room, to be honest. <laughs> like it. Is so and, and also that's one room. There are like twelve of these. Yeah. Uh, all that size. All fucking enormous spaces. This is like one of the biggest centers convention things I've ever seen. Like it's absolutely fucking enormous. So. Um, basically there's a separation there is the public area which is like a bunch of big places it's where um keely held uh his opening night live thing um there is a i think it was six i think it was hall six which was basically shut locked off it's where the metal hellsinger concert was being held but it's also where keely did opening night live and that entire single hall is like big enough to do like a full stage show essentially with all the seats and seating like thousands of people basically um so i I passed that by and it was like it was locked shut because it was being gotten ready for that evening when uh keely would do his show basically and um so it, the, you have a bunch of these huge uh ones that have like the xbox booth in them the, there's no sony or no nintendo so not neither of those booths but like you know ubisoft is there and you know take two and all these big companies um and then you get to an area where it is kind of locked off where you have to pass through security in order to go through to the business area um the business area is like a little bit smaller basically so there's like a bunch of different uh areas that you can go to there and uh, that's where all the kind of uh, unannounced stuff is uh, or stuff that like is just being shown off to press or to people who are looking to sign games and mostly like for the most part a lot of those games already have publishers so like there's a team 17 booth there was like a um you know curve digital there's dear villagers like these like indie publishers all have booths within that area um and that's where i think a lot of press go to to check out new games essentially um coming from those publishers which means like for someone like me who's looking for new games is basically my job is to find games that haven't been signed by other publishers um it's not really helpful to go around a lot of those areas because a lot of those are just indies that are already signed so i can't do anything with them um so there's very few areas i would say to find independent games that are not yet signed but have a potential to them and are looking for publishers but also showing it off at the show um and there are there are a couple that i had meetings at where i went to a booth and you and set I up could these meetings them. like through their they're almost like some yeah. sort of portal you're explaining yeah exactly like, online way beforehand right and- yes so there's a website called meet to match this is where i do all of my games industry meeting stuff basically all the different events that i go to whether digital or in person it's through this website and this website basically gives you a whole schedule and you can look through every attendee who's attending the show Uh, get a sense of like what they're gonna show what kind of games they're gonna show off and then decide whether i want to have a meeting with them or not basically and then just schedule all that beforehand and i basically had like back-to-back meetings like the first day uh in the afternoon anyway it was fully back-to-back and then the second day i had a little bit more time but um yeah lots of lots of meetings i probably productive or would you rather not say um i think good but expensive games are getting very expensive man like um lots of stuff is really uh heavy prices um and like uh yeah it's it's tricky because you know you're always looking for something that is going to be interesting and new right and like trying to sign games is uh, a hard business it's um it's different like there are publishers do it lots of different ways there are certain publishers who want to publish like 30 40 games a year um and i'm a little skeptical of that because you can't really give the attention to those games unless you have the resources to do so can't really mm-hmm. give the same attention to that many games um because we are relatively small we are looking for like four or five games a year right, right. um so we can be very selective and like 
I I say no to 99% of games that I see, basically. So um, I have to be very kind of, not careful, but like very selective and very um, judgmental and very like uh, picky, let's say, about what Mm. games we are going to publish because you have to think about it from like, first, is the game good? Second, can it be commercially viable? Which is a totally different approach to, uh, to like understanding the games market and stuff like that, which is why like, I'm looking for like interesting strategy games or like stuff that has like PC centric, like very complicated city builder elements, those types of things. Like those are the games that really sell well uh, on Steam anyway. And, and um, do you think it makes sense that you had those meetings at Gamescom versus mm. some other event where there wouldn't yeah. be a Achille and this stage and all these demos and right. a massive EA booth and a massive Microsoft booth mm-hmm. and you could have just met like smaller developers maybe maybe they didn't even bring demos you know because a lot of these games might not even be ready to demo yeah. you know yeah, so exactly. like could have been done without all the the razzmatazz I mean that's kind of like what the online uh kind of revolution has done right uh, you know it's done that already for game jobs i think a lot of people re- remotely work now and lots of games companies are hiring remotely because of that um but that has already allowed us to have a kind of section where you can have online meetings as well as offline meetings and you don't need to travel somewhere to do that but it's always going to be built around some sort of event right because it just makes sense and you know people running the event you know they need to make their money and whatever and and gamescom is a consumer show as well as a kind of press and um you know developer and publisher show so kind of combines everything but i I don't know it is nice to talk to people in person um it's it's you get a different kind of connection i think Mm. uh, a different understanding uh it doesn't i don't say it makes a massive difference but i think it's it's good and it's good because you know with these big shows you generally will get a lot of people going to them which means like there's a higher quality of stuff generally right like you you will find even if you know the game is uh you know a a big thing that probably is outside the scope of what we can do being able to chat with those people like you know have that set up there's a meeting that I had with a uh, a well-known um, kind of uh, support studio. Like, they're a vel- well-known, like, they do a lot of AAA stuff. Like, they do lots of big projects with, um, you know, other major companies. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a meeting at their booth, uh, probably the most, like, businessy meeting that I had, I guess. And um, Was it, like, a red carpet and you got champagne and it was... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's, like a, <laughs> it's like a smallish booth, but they have, like, their own kind of section with a big TV showing off and a presentation that they did and all that that sort of stuff and um and that game is like a uh, fucking a lot of money but also the game they're doing is like because that you'll find in the industry that there are a lot of game studios that basically just either do porting or they do like um external Mm. development work which is basically like they're a studio who are they exist for the purpose of helping out with animations or with you know sound design or with like multiple different things so they're they're basically a support studio which means that the the only games they get to work on and their teams get to work on are other people's creative projects and sometimes these studios want to do their own thing right they want to have their own creative projects have their own ip and do their own internal thing basically um and so you know this was was a case where they're looking for a publisher in order to to do that because otherwise you know they don't they don't get the opportunity to do their own kind of project and um 
yeah that, that's always interesting right because like i think a lot of people hear about these these studios and they they kind of like they're not very well known but they there are names uh within the industry but they just don't have they don't have the game credits to their name because all they do is like help other studios out um so it is it is cool to talk with those those types of studios and see like what are, well, what are they going to do if they're going to do their own thing they have a huge experience of like working on these big triple a games they clearly have the talent to do it can they do it in their own ip can they do it in their right. own world whatever um so you you yeah. said next year you're probably going to go back and you might try and be able to go an extra day just to get mm. a chance to play a bit more sure was, yeah was it a bit frustrating not playing some of the stuff there or was it all just so whirlwind you know yeah you had a good time but you just wanted that one more day to try a few things or yeah i uh i think that in terms of like stuff that you can play you know especially on like the show floor with all the the public being there it's it's gonna be a squeeze like remember when we were there and like just waiting in line for stuff took forever yeah. um, well, we got we had our most productive times where because we had the uh, press pass there was like an yes. hour at the start of every day where it was press only and we were basically able to have incredibly short wait times for at least like two things if we just dashed yes them, you know um, exactly do they still have that hour do you know or is it a bit different yeah i believe so because i was there early on i think thursday and um, but you were basically running to a meeting rather than playing things yeah so i went down around 10 o'clock i went down to the public area because i had a half an hour break and um and i saw the flood of people coming in uh so i think they let the public in at about 10 o'clock um so you have uh, you know a little bit of time before that if you want to get in at 9 a.m essentially in order to uh, make the most of that but um but yeah as soon as they're in then it makes it much harder to to get anywhere or do anything because it's just like a yeah a mass of bodies uh just in a giant hallway and it's like yeah it's, it's very 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 busy so do, do you think you had more fun in 2016 or 2022 <laughs> a different kind of fun yeah like uh i i enjoyed being there and kind of like doing all that stuff um i you know i really like uh talking to developers it's really fascinating to me like it's it's a really cool thing and just like figuring out like what they're doing and and, and what they want to do and um you know the ideas they have and it's it's just a, it's a cool thing generally because you'll see ideas for games that won't come out for like two or three years and then like in two or three years time you'll be like watching a show or like a right. keely oh. thing and be like oh i chatted to that guy yeah that, that was a cool game we couldn't sign it but you know that's cool um so it's it gives you almost this like time capsule like behind the scenes knowledge of a lot of video games that are currently in development for like you know i basically know the lineup of what indie games will be for the next like three years basically having mm. talked to all these different people um which is just a really cool thing um and you know it uh it's nice to to have that kind of inside knowledge um but yeah it's also fun to it's it's <laughs> being a publisher is really interesting because you're the one who is getting wined and dined almost right like yeah. i don't i often don't have to do a lot of talking in these meetings i do because i'm always interested i always ask questions of developers and like yeah. you know what what kind of like interesting like narrative mechanic hooks they have those types of they're things. pitching to you though but the fundamentally at the end of the day i'm the one who's being pitched to and so i get to sit there while like you know i'll be talking to this guy who's like a 30-year industry veteran like has way more experience than me like knows the industry way better than me probably um but they're the one capitulating to me and they're like okay we just need to get a deal basically so let's try and like impress this guy and that was the thing like walking into that booth with the um that uh that, that external development studio i was talking about of like 
you know um i think one of the guys was saying to the dude who was like bringing me in he's just like good luck and i'm like okay it's like it's, it's like i'm the big scary person walking in the room and yet like i know all these people who are pitching to me and like have been in the industry for like 10 times longer and like far more and experience are you um, what's your attire and tone are you wearing like uh, your publisher t-shirt no, have you got no. a briefcase a rucksack no, or... absolutely not i'm in a fucking shorts and t-shirt you've got the the shades on a baseball cap like what's going on i'm in shorts and t-shirt and i have uh, a backpack and that's me i look like a tourist basically um, you, you get out a laptop are you a notepad person uh, I, I i have a book i have like a little notebook right. that i just write things down in uh, essentially so did you say you do have a company t-shirt no i don't have a company. Don't I, have I just company i just wore a regular t-shirt basically how do they know um, who you are that's a good question you know uh you you, you have badges um so okay. you, you have a badge and your ticket goes in there and all that sort of stuff so um yeah uh it is it's cool because like <laughs> i don't have to feel that nervous even going into situations like that because i know i'm the one who's being catered to basically <laughs> um which is a really weird thing uh and there's a weird power dynamic balance especially because i think a lot of people who come into like a discovery role are kind of younger and like new um in some senses and uh yeah it's, it's in your role interesting. yeah i think right. so to some degree um you know i've been doing this for a and while and they're while often now, but... younger because I publishers think... want people who are kind of in it and kind yeah. of playing games and understand right. what's yeah. popular what's hot what's not i think so to some degree yeah just like have a good understanding of the industry and, and what's going on and, and able to speak to a lot of different things right i think one of the reasons why i was able to do this role is because i have such a wide knowledge of all games in the industry and, and everything and, and it helps very much when you're talking to developers about systems and mechanics and stuff like that and just understanding all those kind of elements to it um yeah it makes it makes a difference and i think it's it's good being able to connect with developers on the sense of you know what you're talking about because i feel like there might be a few people who do my role who don't have as much mm. um and i think that's probably harder for them right um because they you mean they're they not a, a, a brain sponge who absorbs uh-huh. every yeah. single little podcast <laughs> yeah, bit yeah. for the last decade about yes. video games yeah 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 it certainly helps yeah. me you know i you you my parents were always like what what are you doing with your life why are you <laughs> all you, you have no other information in your brain apart from video games well i fucking proved them wrong now didn't i but i uh, think so. on top of getting a role within video games i think yes. the role of discovery as you've described really does suit like what you're into and kind of your existing knowledge base and like there are so many roles within the video game industry but i actually think like publishing discovery sounds like a real a real fit which is good it's also one that i didn't really know existed i mean it makes sense when you think about it it's like makes sense right but yeah how do indie publishers find games they have to have people going and finding games right like it's a it's one of those things i didn't realize was a job until i like joined the company and was like okay huh i could do that that's that's definitely a thing i'd be interested in doing um so yeah it's it's very very cool Aside from your role being very different with our two visits, and what other ways yeah. was it was it different? Like between the years, was it busier? Yeah. Was did, did mask wearing was that a, a thing at all? Or? Yeah, there was there was uh, not a lot of it to be honest. Like I think the main mask wearing was on the plane where you're forced to wear a mask. Like they make right. you do it um, on the plane. But um, well done getting there and back in one piece without COVID. By the way, that's, yeah, that's I mean I'm pretty sure I'm, I didn't have it. I don't know. Maybe I'm asymptomatic. I have no idea. But I, I feel like I was okay. I had a sore throat, but I think that's because I was talking so much the whole time. <laughs> like it was nonstop. <laughs> um, so I think that's why I kind of lost my voice a little bit. But uh, but yeah it's um in terms of differences i don't know it actually felt very similar if i'm honest Mm. like it felt 
pretty much the same in terms of like the spaces and the layout and like the big booths and the small booths and like you still have like a bunch of games there that are like oh here's just play Fortnite here and it's like well what why i don't understand like that constantly <laughs> yes. happened of like here's the overwatch booth when we went and we're like well okay well i guess i guess overwatch wasn't out in 2016 at that t- point in time so it technically was a thing you could play but um but yeah that you know the games like fall guys or whatever it's like here's the fall guys booth come and play fall guys with us it's like what well, you could do that at home like i don't understand people who come to these <laughs> events and you know, maybe yeah. it's the more casual people who don't really know much about games, but think like, "Oh, this is a fun convention to go to. Maybe I'll like find something interesting." Maybe that's the kind of people they're catering towards. Because yeah, maybe you like met up with people and you're all hanging out together in person. Yeah, like let's go play Fall Guys together. Sure, I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it's it, it is very weird that that takes up such a huge amount of space and and energy. Of, of are the there any them. trends you spotted? So like when mm. we went in 2016 vr was definitely the hotness and like yes. we personally wanted to try a lot of vr and we mm-hmm. managed to try a lot of vr and it was very cool and yeah sure microsoft was doing stuff that we played and that was cool as well but did you notice any trends because you know a lot has changed in the industry since 2016 yeah yeah um i mean i was expecting to have a meeting where halfway through the guy's like and so uh these nfts we're bringing in and uh the web3 marketplace um and surprisingly no surprisingly i didn't have any of that stuff crop up are we already the bubble has already burst on nfts supposedly right supposedly it's already kind of less popular than than yeah totally um and i think I don't know. It feels like a lot of game developers don't want to do it. It feels like a lot of publishers kind of want to do it. Uh, and mm. I don't know. I think a lot of people are trying to be open to the idea still, even though they know that it's a, um, a thing that's going to cause massive backlash. Um, right, so right. I didn't see any. Like, I think that there probably were quite a few like Web3 things on the show floor, okay. uh, or at least in the business area. I'm sure there would have been quite a lot. But, um, you know, I didn't. I didn't come across much of them. As I said, I didn't have a huge amount of time to like go out and yeah. explore, um, unfortunately. So I couldn't really get a great sense of how prevalent that stuff was. I would say if it was anywhere, it would have been in the business area and not in the consumer area because um, I don't think any of that stuff has broken through yet. So, what, Who was the highest profile gaming celebrity that our audience will have heard of that you saw? Um, man, uh I don't know if there was anyone like massive, but um, I was telling you that Andrew Shouldice, who made Tunic, oh, was yes. there. Uh, <laughs> yes. He was he basically in the the Yuki booth. There the was man of um, the moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. What a what a. Legend. What do you mean by Yuki booth? Sorry, I so that. Yuki is a UK industry oh, kind right. of like uh, governing, not governing body, but just like a kind is of it spelled. So it's spelled U K I. U K I E is what it's spelled. U K I E. And I don't know what like it stands a for. Character from a JRPG. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. No, um, and it is uh, yeah i don't actually know what it is if i'm honest but anyway they they were the ones we went through in order to get our tickets and get our our space basically and they basically have this big booth and inside the booth there's like a central area where they serve food and stuff so you could get lunch from there Hmm. um but also a bunch of tables a bunch of small tables where all the individual companies were who were from the uk who were having meetings basically so we had like a little table with a little stand on it that said um you know company aim and all that sort of stuff and um and around the the sides were uh these kind of doors which were like almost 
kind of secret rooms like meeting rooms where like some companies would have those meeting rooms that you could shut the door and have a bit more privacy basically um and basically in the corner which was quite close to where we were was a door that just said tunic on it and basically andrew shouldice was just in there all day i think doing interviews probably or just talking to people in the industry um you know tunic's been out and has been very successful so i'm, I'm sure yeah. he's not doing business deals or anything he's just like chatting with people basically um he and, is yeah loving the moment i bet i'm sure yeah <laughs> yeah, working yeah. on that game for a goddamn long time yeah definitely and um yeah i didn't i, I wanted to go up i didn't really get time to or the timing didn't work out where like the door was open and he was like chilling there or whatever to because i was always in a meeting or something to get the chance because i wanted to go over to him and, and just tell him how much i love tunic and uh, how how amazing <laughs> the golden path was and like it's the yeah. best puzzle i've ever played in a game um, but yeah, i didn't get the chance to do that unfortunately but um yeah he was there uh, i saw a couple of like press people who i recognized popping around the place um but no one massive you know i didn't right. see jeff Keeley like just bopping around or anything you know um nothing like that he's got um, his like 20 person security team or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i was having a meeting with someone who introduced me to a big youtube guy who apparently has two million subs or something so i shook his hand and i was like i guess this guy's popular everyone's got two million subs these yeah days. <laughs> yeah exactly so i was like oh him and his, his girlfriend were just hanging around and just met them briefly cool. so i guess he's super famous but i don't even know what his name is or can't remember because it was like two seconds were there many, many americans there or did it feel quite british and german uh yeah a few a few um but mainly european i would say overall right. um a, quite a few me- meetings with polish people uh poland cool. is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the games oh, industry boy. there are there are a lot of, and this is mainly pc focused but so many of like the most popular games on steam these strategy style games these kind of rpgs so many of them come out of poland and i think a lot of it is from the talent from cd project from right there's like little um, spin outs right yes, they might exactly. work there for a bit get learn some skills and then totally. go and do their own thing yeah so poland has a big like if you want a successful game on pc polish studios are generally very very good at that so yeah had a, a good meetings with a lot of those it's also um, probably like a cheaper place to set up a development studio than yeah relatively i think it's generally. not like super cheap but um yeah, yeah definitely kind of a little bit more that's cool so, um, awesome but yeah no lots lots of good stuff cool. there. any other juicy tidbits you can share with our audience um pr- i mean probably not like i probably don't want to get very specific um you know because it's all kind of behind closed doors type of stuff uh but uh yeah it's it's cool and i i do like going to these events and i think that hopefully i'll be able to go to gdc in san francisco next march um maybe go, maybe go to a quote-unquote e3 if that even happens next year um that would be a cool thing to do but um well, gdc it, would be really cool yeah or it might be nice you know if you have some time like maybe if i go to gamescom again and and you want to come for like the weekend or something then i can basically could you come and put on two hats where we get our press pass we can do some tnl stuff but at the same time you can do your businessy stuff maybe two days each or something yeah basically so if 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 i do like um you know work stuff for those few days you know and thursday we can do friday some show floor stuff on the weekend yeah so like saturday and sunday and, and go and go do public day stuff basically yeah. um, would be a, a fun That'd thing cool. to do if you can cool. combine it basically um awesome. but yeah yeah it's a it's a cool event um i do think gamescom is 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 very cool uh and very it's just big like there's a spectacle yeah. to it there's a almost um impressiveness a, a scary like 
size to it that uh, did, did you think you'd be there six years later from 2016 as part of a publisher no and, absolutely not and, and meeting developers no of course That's not uh it's yeah it's been a bit of a whirlwind but um yeah very very uh thankful that i'm able to do this it's very very cool so um awesome. yeah and, and cool to get to talk about it and, and tell people about it and uh yeah if anyone uh, has any questions uh you know just hit me up on discord and uh head on in there and i'm happy to chat through uh all the interesting stuff um and also i just wanted to shout out we announced a game during gamescom um oh, here we go. Uh, it was it was during uh, again you know i'm fully biased uh, however um everyone should go check it out you're very um, you're very proud of this game though i, I think this game is fantastic um, this, this game the big, the big one yes this game is called the case of the golden idol uh it is a, a kind of point and click style uh detective game in the vein of like return of the obra din um i personally like it a lot more than obra din i didn't connect with obra din but you know obra Din's fantastic it's amazing um, and we have a quote from lucas pope in the trailer of our uh game uh, because he played the demo and he thought it was fantastic so um also have a quote from sean vanneman who uh, wrote firewatch and julian kolbus who was behind lacuna which is another well-known detective game in the indie space um and yeah we announced that the future game show uh there is a demo on steam uh so you know if you've got a pc i highly recommend you check out the demo for this game uh and so far everyone who has played it has absolutely loved it um pc gamer has given us a lot of love they did an article about how much they love the demo um, and a few influencers have played it as well uh, and really like it so um yeah if you want to check it out uh, it's called the case of the golden idol uh, and again you know uh it, you can't take my word for it because i'm biased because we're publishing it um but the game's really good it's a very good game uh so uh enjoy it uh, and check it out and play the demo uh, any yeah, more info you can give on release windows and nope. platforms nope not leaking nothing nope all right <laughs> like, good to know just checking um play to the end of the demo because there's a nice little tease at the end of the demo i will say so yeah go there Ooh. if you want a bit more information on that but you can download it on steam um so yeah check that out um Great. it's very very cool um cool i think that that's gonna do us for the show today uh lots of fun stuff to be talking about and chatting about and uh, i'm looking forward to uh coming around to your place and uh, hanging yeah. out with the uh, bally jr you know give bally get him a jr. controller in his hand he, games he, out. he needs Uncle to MBZ's uh, coming around with the games let's exactly do <laughs> uh you know i need to buy him a contra hoodie and then oh, you know, give him the nes controller <laughs> and then you know we just get him started on the uh the good oldies so uh, that's, he that's is a lot more interested in like the tv screen is like, he okay he just, all right like, stare and watch sport <laughs> and reality yep. tv uh-huh. and i don't really i can't really game with him yeah totally because it's just too difficult but, yeah. Um, yeah he's definitely staring a lot more well i'll be interested you know if if i'm playing something on tv and you're just holding him or whatever if he's like gonna look at the controller and be like hmm i wonder if i can figure this out um, oh but, caroline uh, had him like at the desk the other day yeah and he it's just like staring at the computer screen uh-huh. and just mashing away on the <laughs> keyboard and just like but he's got like this like really alert face like this is what i should be doing right yes kind of like this is yeah. fun and yeah it was hilarious that's but, great that's awesome yeah. uh well I look forward to it and uh yes i look forward to next time we do a podcast episode uh which will be another couple of weeks time um when we will uh, regale you with more we'll be deep into splatoon by then i think, I think so it should yeah. be out yeah so looking forward to playing that and checking that out unfortunately i missed the kind of splatfest test thing that went on um, yeah, this was weekend busy. was it yesterday I was yeah i think well. so yeah. Um, but you know i know what that game is i, I think know we know what splatoon 
<laughs> I think we know at this point. point. So but. yeah, looking forward to uh, jumping back into that. Um, but yeah, let's plug things and get on out of here. Uh, obviously, you can find us across the internet, such as twitter.com, where you can follow the podcast at TNL Podcast. You can also follow me at Lord NBZ. Bally, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1 lovely jubbly um you can also uh, go find the show in various places on the internet such as all podcasting apps that's available just search for this nintendo life subscribe and you get the show downloaded you can also find us on stitcher and spotify and if you review us on spotify that's even better um, because it lets more people find the show and uh, a bit of a seal of approval so people uh, don't think it's terrible um and you know they can find a, a show that they enjoy uh, potentially i don't know i'm not saying we're good uh, but you know people seem to like us i don't know um so go check that out and that would be very helpful um we also obviously are supported by various people various nice people uh, who uh, support us on patreon.com slash this nintendo life where you can go and get bonus episodes of podcasts and stuff like that and um, bali would like to uh, thank some of our supporters as well as a new supporter that we yes have. thank you to a new supporter rondel d thank you so much for your support but thank you also to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and albert thank you all for your ten dollar tier support but thank you to all of our patrons mm-hmm. uh we hugely appreciate the support um i should also say especially in this current economic state yes. that the world seems to have gotten uh-huh. itself into yeah. um we really appreciate it it's rough times out there um so yeah um thanks everybody uh, for being nice and uh, obviously we do a bunch of extra stuff uh, bonus episodes and stuff like yeah that, we've so. done our show for august but our september one will come out after our first regular show in september yes. so and yes, yeah. it's kind of like a weird kind of hop skip and a jump this sure this august to september if that makes sense but yeah, yeah. anyway um you can go check that out if you so wish uh you can also uh do other stuff um like review us send... on spotify yes Love those. yeah um send emails to the show as well where valley can they send those once yes more? please send emails to this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com Yep, and you can also join the Discord. It has a few um, more people jumping in there and having some more chats, some more uh, chat about Xenoblade continues to happen as people kind of slowly make their way through that game. We've and, got a little uh, live alive spoilers thread going on sure, in the yes. in the general channel, so go mm-hmm. check that one out if you've reached spoilery sections yep. you want to talk about. Absolutely, and um, and yeah, it's a good good place to go if you want to just chat about stuff and uh, you know find out more about what we're doing with the show, uh, all that good stuff over there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that probably just about does us uh for the episode um looking forward to playing some more gamecube and uh coming around to yours valley yeah. and uh yeah we'll uh hopefully have uh, some of that stuff to chat about next time uh, on the show sure. so we'll uh, see how that goes but uh, until then thank you everybody for listening we'll be back very soon until then bye-bye folks The musical interludes used on today's show were Megalomania from Live Alive, copyright Square Enix 2022, but also fuck you Square Enix because I couldn't find a copy anywhere on YouTube because they've taken them all down because they're copyright villains and they think that people on YouTube listening is going to take away from their bot line and then people won't buy the game. Well, fuck you Square Enix, I found kind of a version but it didn't have a proper ending. But anyway, I still put it in the episode. So it's Megalomania. Um, it's, it's good. Um,
what was the other song? Oh, it was, um, oh yeah, it was the main theme from Mario Kart Double Dash, copyright Nintendo, I don't know, 2002 or some shit? Bye.